This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen, all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Oh, stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. Garcia's home. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, uh, good morning. Welcome on in. Yeah, it's a crappy rainy day, but uh, hey, it's a Sunday. You woke up. Period. You woke up, and it's a, that's a good day. Every day you wake up's a good day, Chris, right? Great point, Fred. I, I agree. <laughs> Any day that you uh, rise out of bed and you're able to, to walk out by yourself, I think it's a great day. Now, Why the, not? Last, the last three weeks, it was just you and me, and we were sitting here. We're we doing were great. Going yeah, back no and issues. forth and having fun. It's and then apparently Adam, apparently Adam Delavitt said, you know, you two guys can't do the job without a third guy, so they brought uh, Adam Abdallah back. To be fair, my name's not on the schedule. I could leave. <laughs> All so right, I'll see ya. I, I, I have no problem going to get brunch. <laughs> what what about the listeners? I they want you. you here. I love you guys. They know you will have we hot... got ten games on yeah. right now, guys, in the EPL. Yes, we're we not going to talk about that. We're oh, talking we only about... have one TV. Yeah, we're here to talk about the Cubs <laughs> and uh, how they're beating up on the White Sox. Well, and I don't know... Fred, your thoughts. Uh, well, you know, Eric Ostrowski sent me this the other day, uh, and I never got to it on Friday, Chris, when I was with you, but the Cubs-Sox rivalry origins. Oh, yes. Yeah. I read it. it he won't. gave it to me on Friday, too. And We're going to get to it today, just so people out there know, because you've been just like, you know, filling the waters about mm-hmm. how it's not a rivalry. Well, I'm just going to read to everybody how the rivalry, quote, rivalry started. And as I said to you the other day, uh, basically rivalries are all between the fans anyway. Sure. And then the media's got nothing better to do. So then they try to figure out, well, you know, we got to come up with special sections. And we got to have even more stuff for the people. And then we got to do all this other kind of stuff. And you look at the Sun-Times, well, you know, right now the White Sox still have a 58-56 lead in the series. Oh, my God. See what nonsense we do when football's not around? No, think think not about good. the last yeah. month. Well, we, we were told about golf. Then we were told about horses. You were trying to tell people about boxing. Now, yeah. Here's and the deal with Lomachenko. I swear to Teddy God. Teddy Atlas. Atlas li- listen, this is my Mulan <laughs> dipping sauce. Teddy Atlas said that I don't he care. is Neo. I don't care what Teddy Atlas said. We'll, I, don't, we'll I still don't later. think I'll Teddy fill Atlas you guys has watched The Matrix. I'll fill you guys in later on Lomachenko. And I, I have seen The Matrix. I've seen all The Matrix. So, yeah. I Mulan don't remember dipping the sauce. Yeah. I don't remember him as well as all you guys do. But, uh, yeah, we are going to talk about the NBA because finally, after three days off, the NBA is back at it. And uh, I don't think they'll lose any of their luster. They have a 2.30 game today. It'll be the Cavaliers and Celtics in Boston as they get the Eastern Conference ready to go. And speaking of ready to go, our first guest is up and ready. He's getting his voice ready. He's trying to figure out exactly whose buzzer beater he's going to call. The odds are probably pretty good. It may be LeBron James or the girl from Notre Dame might hit another one. You never know. It'll it'll be LeBron. You think? Yeah. Okay. Adam Amin from ESPN joins us right here on ESPN 1000. Adam, how are you this morning? 
Oh, boys. I get so happy when I hear the 3D talking. I'm just, I'm just, I just get very excited about it. That's all I'm going to tell you. Before we get into the game, and that's when I turn it over to these uh, NBA experts here in the studio. Um, that, that's a very loosely used term. <laughs> yes, yes, yes it is. Correct. <laughs> when, when you were here at the station and you were interning, was, did you? What was your goal? What did you want to do? Did you say to yourself, "Listen, I want to be calling games. I want to be calling LeBron James games in the conference finals." What exactly was your goal when you were here? Because we've had you on. People have had you've been on with Jay Hood. You've been on other shows. You've been out with us for a couple of weeks. What I just want people to get an idea of what it was like when you were here and what your goal was. You know what? I was going into my junior year. So that, like, the, when I interned, I was going into my junior year of college, and that's when I was starting to call games in college. I went to Valpo, and like, when you, once you're a sophomore and a junior, that's when you really get to start calling play-by-play of like some of the sports on the on the student radio station. So yeah. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a fun year. This is going to be great. I'm going to get a chance to call games now. And the first week I started interning, it was the week that LeBron went off for 48 in Game 5 against the Pistons in the conference, either the second round of the, the conference finals. I think it was the conference finals that year because it was late May. And I just remember thinking, wow, like Tariko was on the call for it on ESPN Radio. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is a cool, what a cool job. This should be, this would be awesome if I ever get a shot to do this someday. And it's just, it's weird, man. 11 years later, here we are. Right around the same time, we're getting ready to call LeBron in the conference finals, arguably doing it better now than he did, you know, in 2007. So that was pretty much the goal, man. That, and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't have any type of, I don't think I have any inspiring words of wisdom or anything like that. I could probably screw them up, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what the goal was. And it's pretty cool that we get a chance to do that now. Adam, it's all about the five and 10, right? It's all about the five to 10. CB and I have talked about this before. You, as long as you don't screw up the five to ten big moments you have every game as a play-by-play announcer, and you're palatable the rest of the way, people will appreciate what you do. You know, you, you don't have to you don't have to do anything special. Just just don't screw it up. Be actual, be accurate, be palatable, and and hit the big moments that you have to hit. And it's, and that's that's a good way to live uh, live this job. Okay, so let's break down the Cavs and the Celtics. Uh, LeBron was outstanding, has been outstanding this entire season, the last two series. Will he have enough help from the others in this series against the Celtics? I think that's, that's a good uh, title for a TV show, right? That's, this, is, this is it. This is what the, the Cavs are living. It's the others now. And, and that's what it's been. The last five games, going back to game seven of the first round, where LeBron has gotten legitimate help from the other starters in the lineup, whether it was Tristan Thompson coming in in Game 7 and delivering a double-double against Indiana, whether it's Kevin Love after shooting 31% from the field in the first eight games of the playoffs, coming in in Game 2, Game 3, and Game 4 against Toronto and putting up big numbers, including 31 in Game 2. It's it's the fact that all five starters were in double figures in game four and everybody was rolling. And granted, that was a beat-up Toronto team at that point, a demoralized Toronto team. But just the fact that these guys were in some form of rhythm going forward. Jeff Green, who was non-existent in the first round, had a great series against Toronto. George Hill, who was, it was out for a handful of games in the first round with that back issue. Uh, the newly minted graduate from IUPUI, he's, he's, he was great in the Toronto series. So I think the fact that he's getting help, is a huge factor. That's part of the reason that the Toronto series was easier than, than uh, the Indiana series was. And granted, Indiana was a much better team. They played much better. They were a better defensive unit in that series compared to what Toronto did. 
But the fact that LeBron's getting the amount of help he's been getting as of late, these last three, four, five games, where the other four starters in the lineup have really stepped up, I mean, this is, uh, this is, this is what makes Cleveland the, the team that we all kind of thought they would be at the beginning of the season. And even when they had this mass exodus and they played really well, remember their first game with this new look lineup was against Boston and they looked pretty good. You know, guys like Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood were playing well. I'm not saying they're going to be huge factors in this series, but the other guys around LeBron are starting to step up. Adam, how many Cavs games have you done this season? I think it's something like seven or eight. So have you noticed LeBron doing something, whether it's during timeouts or while he's sitting on the bench or maybe even during the game to conserve his energy? What's he doing differently now that he hasn't done in the past that's allowed him to play 82 games and not hit that wall at age 33, play, basically doing everything for this team so far in the playoffs? You know, I was talking to Brian Windhorst about it and Dave McMenamin, two guys that obviously have extensive background in covering LeBron James and have seen the development and the growth and, and the evolution and the aging uh, of, of what is one of the great superstars of our time. So uh, and they've, they've written a little bit about it, but I asked both of them about it because I saw an article about it. LeBron does do a lot less in terms of explosive movement in the first half of games. And he's still good. He's still going to the rim and he's still scoring at the rim and at a higher frequency in the first half than he is in the second half of the playoffs so far when he does have a little bit more energy. But he is walking the ball up a little bit more. He is sitting down quicker in timeouts. I think Tyloo has actually done a really good job of taking LeBron out when he feels those moments where, all right, we're in a little bit of control. There's three and a half, four minutes left in the quarter. Let me get him out for another couple of minutes. And uh, our producer for ESPN Radio's broadcast, Beth Faber, has been doing the NBA for, gosh, 20-some-odd years. And she, for us, has been tracking the, the real-time rest that LeBron's been getting. And at some points, he's sitting down for something like 12 to 15 minutes in the end of the first quarter into the second quarter and actually getting a legitimate amount of rest time after that first burst in the first quarter, especially when we've seen aggressive LeBron uh, in the in the opening quarters of games, he'll sit down if, if if Cleveland's off to a good start with four minutes left. Sit down for the four minute stretch. Plus, there's usually a timeout in that stretch. There's the end of quarter break, which is usually two and a half to three and a half minutes, and he might sit out the first minute or two of the second quarter. So, add it all up into real time, you're getting maybe twelve to fifteen minutes of rest for LeBron James. He's walking the ball up a little bit more in the first half rather than jogging it across and looking to explode. To the rim right away. So there are little things, and whether it's going to help him getting to a playoff series or not, because as we've talked about, guys, he played all 82 this year. So that is a lot more wear and tear on him. That's essentially another playoff series compared to where he's been in the past. He is doing some things to try to conserve energy as we get later and later into the playoffs. Adam Amin from ESPN, who will be on the call today for the Eastern Conference Finals. You can hear it right here on ESPN 1000 around 2.30 this afternoon. And Adam, I think I was actually here the night that Gordon Hayward went down. And at that point, me and I think a lot of other people that uh, thought they knew basketball said, well, that's it. The Celtics aren't going anywhere. How surprised are you that Boston is where they are as they start the day today? I think in comparison to the beginning of the season, I'm still not that surprised because, again, they've had, they had Gordon Hayward for a total of, I think, what, six minutes, five yeah. minutes this year. 
And, and they still looked very good. Remember, they got off to that great start. They won 16 in a row. They were 22-4 and four this year without Gordon Hayward. 22-3, and three, I guess, technically, because Hayward played in the opener. But they got off to that great start. So everybody's like, all right, this is still a legitimately talented team. When Irving went down, that's when I thought, you know, this isn't, this isn't a team that's want for this playoff. Uh, I think it was late March. It was before a Sacramento game. That was when Terry Rozier ended up scoring like 33 against the Kings after Kyrie Irving got hurt. People are like, oh, good. They had Terry Rozier can play, but that was against Sacramento. Who cares? I, I think that's when I, I started to think, well, there's no way. I was picking Milwaukee to win in the first round. I thought that was going to be the quote-unquote upset in a 7-2 series because I, I just didn't think Boston would have the firepower. They didn't have really a whole lot of time to acclimate without Kyrie Irving in that stretch. So I, I think when the Irving injury happened, that's when I was questioning the, the, the heart of this team, the, the talent of this team overall. I mean, listen, I saw this team last year. I knew Jalen Brown was a really good player who played big minutes against Cleveland. I knew Rozier was a talented guy. Al Horford's a perennial all-star. That's why I didn't. I wasn't shocked that they beat Philly because we're not we, we got to stop talking about Boston like they're a bunch of slack-jawed yokels. These are really good basketball players with perennial all-stars on their team. But I didn't think that they would be able to make as deep of a run as they did. And I can understand why they're still underdogs going into this series with Cleveland. But the Hayward injury didn't affect me as much because they didn't have that much time with him and they looked great without him even, even after that injury. But uh, I think when Irving went down, I don't think a lot of people had a lot of faith in myself. I would admit I was included in that group. Who is the most important offensive player in this series for the Celtics? Man, I think it's Al Horford, believe it or not. Because I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier all have ability. Two of those three guys can probably go off on, on, a, on a consistent basis for you know 15 to 20 each in each game. And then anything that else they can give you, if they can get you 20 to 25, obviously you'll happily take that. And they've been doing that a lot uh, in this playoff so far. But I think Al Horford might be the most important one because we I, I, we saw what happened with Jonas Valanciunas at both ends. They didn't really exploit Jonas Valanciunas' size advantage against Kevin Love because Ty Lue wants to keep Kevin Love at the five. And that's not the case from what we saw last year. Remember, Tristan Thompson was a much more important player for Cleveland last year in the playoffs. He was the starting five. Love was at the four when they played this Boston team. That's not really the case right now. Love has been the starting five for most of this playoff run, and Ty Lue wants to keep it that way. Al Horford is very comparable to Kevin Love. And to take Kevin Love, the only really rim protector, and I'm using that in a loose way because Love is a better better post defender that we give him credit for, but he's not a true shot-blocking rim guy. Al Horford can take Kevin Love out of the paint. These three guards, Tatum, Rozier, and Jalen Brown, are really good ISO players. And I'm not saying Boston's a big ISO team, but they have ISO ability, especially in the last six seconds of a shot clock with these guys. And the more guys that are out of the paint, the harder it is to defend Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier, especially going to the rim. So I think Al Horford's presence, his passing ability, one of the best in the NBA for a big man, and his three-point shooting ability. He is a very good three-point shooter. He's shooting in the high 30s again in the playoffs, which is something he's consistently done the last couple of years. I think he be the most important piece in what Boston wants to do offensively to exploit what Cleveland does not have on the defensive end. The Brown, Brent Musburger, Adam Amin joining us. You can hear the Eastern Conference Finals right here on ESPN. Should I have been, call, have been calling you Laddie this, this whole time? You like, should have just, been, just, uh, and you have, really to, give, you have to know the line, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I gave you that the Cavs are, were, were favorites in this. That's about as good as I can get, give you right now that I'm looking it up.
<laughs> All right. So Brad Stevens uh, maybe should have been coach of the year, but he didn't get any uh, votes from the other coaches. How much of an advantage is having Brad Stevens coaching up these young guys? And is it more important to limit what the guy, the others do or limit what LeBron does offensively? I think it's more important to limit what the others do offensively. And, and listen, that doesn't mean you let LeBron go off for 45 every night, which, you know, he's done. <laughs> you know, he's playing, he has a four 40 point games in his playoffs. But I think it's, it's ball pressure on everybody else because LeBron is not going to turn the ball over very often on a consistent basis. Now he's had some games this year. Now he's had an 11 turnover game this year. He had that in fact against Indiana earlier in the season, but. I feel like ball pressure on the rest of the lineup to get them out of out of sync in this offense is very important. This offense thrives on LeBron's passing, and LeBron doesn't really make a, a ton of bad basketball plays. So he's not going to turn the ball over on a consistent basis all that much. Indiana forced 98 turnovers in the seven-game series against Cleveland. That was 14 turnovers per game. Toronto forced seven turnovers per game. And... A lot of that had to do with the other players feeling comfortable, whether it's Kyle Korver uh, dribbling around a couple of screens. Can you get ball pressure on him? If J.R. Smith is working on, on a wing and trying to set up a play, can you get ball pressure on him and force him out of the rhythm of that set? Uh, can you force a couple turnovers on Kevin Love, whether if he's posting up or if he's in the corner spotting up for a three? Can you get these guys out of a rhythm? So I think ball pressure on these other players is essential to the success of a defense. And, and remember, Boston was one of the better defensive units in the NBA this year. They do apply really good ball pressure. Uh, I love how hard Marcus Smart plays at the defensive end. Uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, these are good defenders. These are good defensive players. And I think getting these guys into a flow on the defensive end, into rotations where the other four starters and the other four guys that are playing for Cleveland around LeBron James don't feel comfortable enough to make moves to get into sets that LeBron is setting up for them, I think that's a really big key for Boston to try to limit what Cleveland can do offensively because they were much more efficient, obviously, against Toronto than they were against Indiana. A lot, a lot of that had to do with the ball pressure that those teams applied did not apply. The Cavs really want to play small ball. That's when they play their best, and the Celtics have a super flexible roster, so they can go big or small. How much small ball do you think will be played in this series? I think a lot. Uh, and like I said, Ty Lue wants to keep Kevin Love at the five. Brad Stevens did a lot of lineup shifting in the Milwaukee series. Uh, they went with Aaron Baines in the starting lineup to start that series. Then they took him out and went with a smaller lineup and went with Al Horford at the five. Uh, went into the, I think it was games five, six, and seven. Uh, and, and I think they did a better job of getting Giannis Antetokounmpo out of uh, his rhythm and used different guys on him. That's when Shemi Ojale started to come into the starting lineup for the team. Uh, so they took Baines out and put Ojale in. I wouldn't be shocked if we're going to see a lot of small ball. And like I said, Al Horford really matches up well with Kevin Love. That's And that's part of the flexibility that you're talking about, Chris. That's why they can go to a smaller lineup with Horford at the five. They can bring Baines in if Tristan Thompson comes in off the bench, which is a matchup I think we will see whenever Tristan Thompson gets minutes. I think Aaron Baines will probably come in to match up with him and they'll leave Al Horford uh, away from Thompson and, and move him to the four, which would probably still be a pretty good advantage depending on who Ty Lue brings into the game uh, to play at that position, whether it ends up being Jeff Green moving up to the four. I still think Al Horford has an advantage. So there are a lot of matchups that I think are going to come into play. And listen, that's how Ty Lue won those first couple of games in the Toronto series. It's how he matched up 
with with Jonas Valanciunas. And those last couple of games, obviously LeBron had the buzzer beater, and then they blew him out in Game Four. Uh, those games had a lot to do with how Ty Lue won the matchup battle against Dwayne Casey. They scraped by in, in the first round. Ty Lue did a lot of good things tactic- uh, tactically to get. Cleveland in a good position to the good matchups. But I think Brad Stevens has a huge advantage in this series because he'll have a little bit more flexibility. Now, Shane Larkin's out right now. He's got the shoulder issue, so that does take a little bit of versatility away from their backcourt. How often do you have to put Marcus Smart at the point guard position or do you have to play him at the two uh, because Shane Larkin's out? All of these things obviously will play a factor, but Brad Stevens has a lot more flexibility than a lot of other coaches. And more so by necessity. He's created flexibility with all these young guys buying in. When we talk about the buying-in process of these young Celtics, that's what we're talking about, buying into playing some positions that maybe you weren't thinking about playing at the beginning of the season. Adam, we know you got a really busy day. We appreciate you jumping on with us for a few minutes. We'll be listening this afternoon. Thanks. Appreciate it, boys. Thank you. Adam Amin from ESPN. You can hear his call right here today on ESPN 1000 beginning at uh, 2.30 with the game. The uh, Celtics and the Cavs. Cavs have to go into Boston. And as uh, Adam pointed out a couple times, not Adam Amin, but Adam Abdallah pointed out a couple times last hour, 7-0 and the uh, Celtics are in the uh, playoffs uh, at home. Yeah, uh, young players play better at home. Uh, we see that with every team in the playoffs, uh, and so I expect that. Now, what will happen when LeBron has the ball at the end and uh, the Cavs are up five with two minutes ago? Do the Celtics, the young players, the waves of talent, do they have enough to operate, come back late in the game, no matter if you're home or, or on the road? Well, it's also a matter of whether or not defensive player of the century, uh, Marcus Morris, well, yes. uh, will be able to defend him. Because, like, you're right, there's a difference between being, you know, set you're seven and zero at home. You're in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're these young players, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're looking, and LeBron is backing you down and walking the ball down the court, and you're like, okay, now this is like now this is real, you know. And it, it'll be interesting to see what the young guys do when faced with the best player in the game right now in their in their home. Yeah, do trying you, to win another Eastern Conference Finals. Do you think Boston will be smart enough if, in fact, uh, somewhere along the series, there's eight seconds remaining, and uh, Cleveland decides to take the ball at their own underneath their own basket and go the length of the court? You think they'll be smart enough to actually double team uh, LeBron? Yeah, I think uh, Brad Stevens might have that one covered. <laughs> Could that be the only reason yeah. that the coach in Toronto was fired? Yeah, it might be. I mean, it, it, I I know just a lot one of one play. Just they, one play. Go, he goes into the meeting. Why was I fired? And then just one there's play. There's yeah. one play. That's why it. Were Despite your 50 wins three years in a row, the only times we won 50 plus yeah. with, uh, you know, as an organization, you were the coach, but because of that one play, you're gone. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, CJ Miles just standing in the corner watching like everyone else in Air Canada Center, yeah. even though he was in the game and on the court. Unbelievable. We'll talk some Cub Sox. We come back. It's Black Abdallah Hubner right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Contreras out in the deep center. And it is gone! What a week for Wilson Contreras. It's 7-1. Not even his bobblehead day. Continues to rake. Boy, was that a good-looking swing. You talk about short and explosive to the ball. He has 10 RBIs in the first two games of the series. 
This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Todd, I was letting J.D. on the call on ABC 7 yesterday as the Cubs knock off the White Sox, a final of 8-4. to four. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. And uh, as Len said, 10 RBIs in the two games. In the last three games, Contreras is 10 for 15, three homers, two triples, three doubles. Um, yeah, he's 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 red hot. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the power that we heard about from uh, spring training with Wilson Contreras. Is it not? We were told that this guy would be in the MVP running because he was so hot in spring training. Started off a little slow, but if this is what you get the rest of the way for the Cubs, yeah. that's outstanding. Yeah, 50 runs during his five-game uh, winning streak for the Cubs. They've won five in a row. They're 21-15. and 15. They still find themselves a half game behind in the division, behind St. Louis and Pittsburgh. And bad news for the Cubs. The White Sox, who they're beating up on right now, mm-hmm. the White Sox go to Pittsburgh. So... You know, you got to watch it because... So the, the Pirates will uh, keep win, pace. Right. The yeah. Pirates will probably keep pace yeah. and keep winning games. Because <laughs> the White Sox, the worst team in May baseball... May 14th. Uh, come on, 13th. Abdallah. It's not early anymore because the Cubs no, are playing well. It's in May now. It's only early when they struggle, okay? It's That's only early when they play the uh, Atlanta Braves this upcoming week. But this past week, it was not early. <laughs> okay, just so we make sure that was Chris Black that said that, yeah, not I did me. Say that. Uh-huh. Because that is something I might have said. Yeah. <laughs> you you <laughs> co-signed on that, yes. Absolutely. The uh, White Sox have lost seven in a row. Matt Davidson, a three-run homer. Worst start in team history. Uh, it'll be Giolito against Hendricks this afternoon. Uh, the Cubs have batted around in the first two games in the first inning. First inning, their pitcher <laughs> batted both times. Oof. And he wasn't even hitting eighth. He was hitting ninth. And he batted both times. They have nine runs in the first two innings of these, uh, in the first inning of these two games, uh, more than the White Sox scored in the two games combined. Can I give some credit to James Shields, though? Yeah. He stayed out there. Yes, he did. I mean, there's a pitcher on the north side that if that would have happened to him in the first inning, he would have been out with the flu. Right? I mean, like, James right. Shield at least, no, hold on, hold on a second. He at least stayed in there and gave the White Sox six innings. He retired 14 of the last 15 he faced. That, hey. But it's it, that's the proverbial closing the barn door after the, you know, animals, horses. the horses have gotten out. Yeah. Yeah. I Left mean, and went to the club. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you give you give up, uh, you know, four runs in the first inning, and then after that, you settle down. It's like, okay, well, thanks. That was, and it's not well, the first time he's done that this year. No. It's about the second or third time he's done it. So the odds, are, you know, you're, what you're trying to do is not allow the team to score first. Um, and uh, you know, White Sox fans don't have much to worry about. And I, I think some of the Cub fans you saw in the stands yesterday, they were just saying, you know, it's not even fun making fun of you guys now because you're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize you're not you're not a good team right now. And the I think the White Sox and most I think fans, that's fair. Yeah, most fans realize that. Um, the White Sox are zero six in interleague play. Um, let's see here, five and zero for the Cubs against Miami and the White Sox. And I'm not saying that it was easy. What I'm saying is you have to be five and zero again when you play Miami and the White Sox. Okay, mm-hmm. if you would have lost a game there, and say right now you're going into the series um, finale with a three and two record in these games. That would have been worrisome. For years and years, you always say you got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Yeah. Well, Miami and the White Sox are teams you're supposed to beat. Yes, and, and they're doing Fred, the job. Also, the weather's been bad this weekend. Oh, A lot of the struggles sucked. early for the Cubs have been pointed to some of the bad weather yeah. uh, in the Midwest and in other places that the Cubs have traveled to. So it's good to see them beating up on terrible teams yeah. 
in bad weather. So then you can remove those two excuses from the early part of the conversation. And now, hopefully, if you're a Cubs fan, that this is how this team plays going forward. Maybe not the blowouts that we saw on Friday right. and what we saw yesterday until Davidson hit that three-run home run. But hopefully, this is what you get. Some good starting pitching, some good hot hitting from Contreras, Rizzo, Bryant all chipping in, Baez doing what he's doing. Yep. Hopefully this is the Cubs team that we see going into next week against the Braves because they're they're good. They're tough. They're yeah. a tough team. Yeah, and that's when you want to see it. Like it's it's okay now to be like you said. They they've outscored in their last five games fifty to fifteen. They outscored their opponents fifty to fifty. Yeah. They scored fifty runs yep. in five games. Like that's I what you want to see. Ten a game. It is. Yes. Okay. That's that's. Yeah. I'm glad you're the one. The math one here. Well, me. I mean, my, think look at it this way. The NL Central. They are third. Half game behind the Cardinals and Pirates tied for first, uh-huh. but they lead by far in run differential. So if you look at if you like run differential to look and measure your good teams, the Cubs are the best team in this division. They just don't have first place at this point. So I mean, what is it? Have they just had a week of really bad competition? Or is this team starting to kick in because they actually are pretty good and up there with the other teams in run differential who are really good in the National League. The Braves are at plus 55. The Cubs are at plus 56. Those are the two top teams yeah. in the NL. So, Well, and you know what it is, too? Uh, the Cubs had a problem this year and last year with scoring big runs one day and then getting shut down the next day. Sure. So you get back-to-back days where right. the offense actually shows up. Right. You, I mean, they scored 11 well, on Friday. a few Friday. days, yeah. Right. They scored 11 on Friday and 8 yesterday. So that's 19. So before that, in those three eight. That would mean that they scored what thirty nine runs in the first three the three games against yeah. Miami, right? I mean that's ridiculous to score that many runs. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We'll give you the Cubs lineup in a second. First, let's go on out to Rosemont and Bob. You're on ESPN one thousand. Hey Bob, what's up? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I have to work unfortunately, but uh, here I got a little idea about the White Sox. Um, I'm like you, Fred. I'm a diehard. I, it, it, the fact that we're in this rebuild thing. The fact that we have a couple young catchers in the system, pretty good. Uh, a lot of corner outfielders, pretty good. Why wouldn't they take Tim Anderson, who I don't think is ever going to be a great shortstop? Let, uh, let's see if he can play center field, because we don't have a center fielder in the system that, that's ever healthy, and give Yomar Sanchez a shot at short. I think he's a piece of the future, and... You know, why not play around with? We're losing every game anyway. Yeah, Bob, we appreciate the call. The 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 thing about moving Anderson to center, and um, you know, everyone's going to say uh, everyone was talking about Baez's slide yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was a great slide. He's done that numerous times before. He's very very good at it. Tim Anderson is the absolute worst player in baseball at tagging anybody <laughs> at second base, and it was known before yesterday. Okay, he is the worst. He doesn't. He doesn't yeah. come down and like sweep. He sometimes he'll just get sweep? the ball. Well, sometimes he'll just come and sweep, even if the guy's not there yet. It's like he doesn't know that you need to tag the pl- person. Right. It doesn't matter that the ball's there early. He's been so frustrating to watch. He can't feel the ball to his left side. He can't be any worse in center field. I actually still want to give Adam Engel a chance at least the rest of this year. He batted leadoff yesterday. He went three for four and scored two runs. Yeah. And, he, you know, he made a couple of mistakes in the field and everybody got all over him. White Sox fans are as quick to jump as, as Cub fans are when their team, when their players do something stupid. Oh, sure. yeah. There were, there was tweets yesterday I saw about, um, Carl Edwards Jr. 
being a, a yeah. bad, it's time to send him down. It's like, what do you mean time to send him down? He's been phenomenal. Yes, he has. And he, he had one bad inning, two-thirds of an inning. Right. Sorry. When they were up 8-1, to one, what difference does it make? Yeah, it didn't. It made no sense at all. It's almost as bad as somebody yelling about Javi not hustling when they're up 12-1. to one. No, that's actually, I, I never, never. This, this is what you want to do on a Sunday morning? Never, I, 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 Never complained. And never complained. You're gonna spit right into the wind. No, and, and I'll just and I'll just say it again. Anytime, any anytime, Javi hits a ball and he knows it's go. gonna be hit, he hustles. When he pops the ball up or hits an easy ground ball, he doesn't hustle. Boom. He hurt his groin. Oh, he no. sat out the oh. day before. He played. He had five okay. at bats in that game, and he beat out All an right. infield single earlier. So what? He had dinner reservations. Yeah, he okay. wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Oh, so just Lord. all you had to do is say, you're right. He didn't hustle. And I had Cub fans that you're followed right. me. You're right. He did hustle. But what difference does it, it make? Makes it double digits. Respect 90. And then people were getting at me. Respect <laughs> swag, And then people, then people yesterday were saying, well, Abreu didn't, uh, he didn't respect 90. Abreu made it to first base yesterday in the last play of the game. Okay? He didn't stop halfway through and look for the ball. Anyway, here's the lineup for today's uh, Northsiders. Ben Zobris is in right because you still ha- are without Jason Hayward. The Cubs are missing him. So Chris Bryant at third. Anthony Rizzo at first. Wilson Contreras batting cleanup. Javi is at second base hitting fifth. Kyle Schwarber in left, Addison Russell at short, Ian Happ is in center, Kyle Hendricks on the hill, a 120 start. So they get to face uh, Lucas Giolito, who's been bad in his last several starts, and uh, the Sox are looking for something before they get a day off and then head to Pittsburgh. This was a series I was actually looking to maybe go to Pittsburgh because it's, it's perfect. It's a two-day Ooh. series. It's a Tuesday night, Wednesday day. Sure. So you would only need one hotel for Tuesday night. Double dip. Then I got something on Tuesday and I can't go. But that's that. Tuesday is my birthday. That's what I was going to thinking oh. about going to. Happy birthday, Going Fred. to see the oh, Sox play. Uh, maybe How the many? Bulls will get a top three pick for you on Tuesday. Maybe. How many parks have you been to? Not many. Not oh, as okay. many as I would like. And like I haven't I was at old Cincinnati and a lot by the way I haven't been to Great American Ballpark, so PNC would have been yeah, my brother said PNC is a great park too. I was Cup. just in Cincinnati. It was boring. There's nothing to do. At, uh, in Cincinnati. There's nothing to do in Cincinnati. Is there a place called Oh no, that's in Cleveland, the flag. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I think Cincinnati is okay. Yeah, I I had fun. You there. go up to the mountain, that's it. That's Cincinnati is a, nothing to do. It's You're a piece ready? of the Midwest dipped in the south. You're right across the bridge from yeah. Kentucky, yeah. so you get in trouble over there. Covington, Kentucky. <laughs> no, Dahl and I have seen some no, things over there. No, thank you. Yeah, you get in trouble over there. Woo! Warm MGD. And now, when we come back, I just want to read. Dancing. I just want to. I just want to educate. And I know Chris knows this, but yeah. it's a perfect one. I just want to educate Chris and everybody else about why this Cubs Sox is a rivalry, and it goes all the way back to 1900. Even uh, I wasn't born at that point. Let me guess: is there stealing involved? Did someone steal a mascot? I don't know. I think something was stolen. Well, we'll get to that. I read this once. I'll have to read it again. <laughs> Before, I'll just read it live on the air when we come back. Why don't you guys yell about bias some more? How it's about a, that? It's Abdallah Black and Hubner, 312-332-3776, here on ESPN 1000. Teddy out. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. 
Welcome on in. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner. We're here until noon. We'll talk with Jesse Rogers, top of the hour, and uh, Dieter Kurtenbach from the uh, Merc- the San Jose Mercury uh, News. He is the Warriors reporter. We will talk with him uh, a little around 11 as their series begins tomorrow. The Warriors, it's funny, the Cavs and Warriors both open their uh, fi- their conference finals on the road. So the Warriors go to Houston for two, and uh, we'll see how those things go. You can catch all the games right here on ESPN 1000. Now, quickly, uh, the spark that ignited the fire, the Cubs-Sox rivalry origins, okay? In 1900, Charles Comiskey decided he wanted to move his minor league baseball team, the St. Paul Saints, to Chicago. The problem was the Chicago Cubs didn't want any new neighbors encroaching on their territory. If there is one thing you can count on with the Crosstown Classic is that the rivalry is not fabricated, Chris. It says it right there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> the Cubs pretty much told Mr. Comiskey that he had mm-hmm. no place here in the second city. Today, the National League and American League are under the umbrella of Major League Baseball. At the time, though, the National League and American League were separate entities and rivals. The American League supposed Mr. Comiskey's invasion in spite of the National League's Cubs. Um, Charlie moved to the city but was restricted to the south side, specifically south of 35th Street. In response to less than warm welcome to the city, the St. Paul Saints were renamed the White Stockings, which was the Hmm. Chicago Cubs' original name from uh, 1876 to 1889. And thus Hmm. the rivalry was born. So the rivalry began because... One team stole something from the other. Well, and one team that didn't want, like, basically, you know this, so there's always rights uh, where, you know, here the Cubs said, listen, you can come, but you got to be south of 35th Street. Sure. You can't be any closer than that. Yeah. Don't come near our turf. Right. Don't come near our turf. And they didn't. And then the Cubs had dropped the name White Stockings, and the White Sox then picked it up. So, so basically, the Chicago White Sox are the hermit crab of baseball teams, right? You, you you see one shell just sitting there that was left, and you crawl right in. You guys know how the hermit crab works, right? Am, yeah. am I talking to myself here? Are you aware what the hermit crab does? I, I'm not a big When one shell crab. is not uh, spacious enough for the hermit crab, it, it moves, moves to, to a new shell and yeah. leaves the shell behind for someone else. And that new crab comes along and crawls right in. Thus, the White Sox with the name, the White Sox, because the Cubs... Moved out of that. Well, they moved out of the White Stockings. Yeah. Yes, the Stockings, yes. Right. And then they moved into the Cubs, and then the the White Sox, who needed a name, just crawled right in. So it's a rivalry. <laughs> it, I mean, whatever you want to do, man. I just wish that there was some wacky hijinks, like, uh, like you know, some weird... Stealing like, goats? Yeah, or, like, like yeah. we're stealing mascots, like some weird high school rivalry thing. Yeah, they don't have any of that, no, yeah, no, I mean, see, that's what happens when you only uh, start this rivalry up uh, playing on the field uh, 21 years ago because of interleague play to get people involved and He said 1900. No, I know. Fred but, said 1900. Right. But, but you I'm talking a- about modern-day baseball. Well, I mean, but- we don't have playoff series to point to. We don't have end-of-season series to look at and say, wow, Remember that game when Canerco knocked the Cubs out of the playoffs with that home run? Well, they we did, don't have that. They did play, and I know I always get this r- wrong. Yeah, they, back in the day, I'm sure they yeah, did. Yeah, you know, we do they have, remember that game when Jason oh, Barrett knocked A.J. Przinski out? Remember when he knocked him out? 06. Yeah, 06. Yeah. The White Sox beat the Cubs 4-2 to in the 06 World Series. See, there you go. 1906. 1906. How many teams were playing then? Um, Nine teams. Two. 
Only the teams that could get near a train. The Cubs and the White Sox. Those were the only teams that could play back in the day. If you could get near a train and a railroad station, you could go play another ball team. In 1906, if you were making a West Coast trip from the East Coast, you would stop in Chicago. I think that I don't think it went much further than that. That was it. Yeah. By the way, there's actually a great book out there called "If I Never Get Back." It's by a guy named Daryl Brock. And he talk. He he's an uh, like a a drunk baseball writer, which is oh. kind of like a, you know, aren't they all drunks? Um, he's a drunk baseball writer. Stumbles, falls in the gutter, wakes up in eighteen in like the eighteen eighties when uh, the Cincinnati Red Stockings are like barnstorming and all that stuff. Sure. So it's, so it's got baseball. And time travel in it, and I cannot believe it's not been made a movie yet. Yeah, I'm all about time travel in movies, so I, I agree with you. I'll watch that. They're in the German, they're like in the German community in Cincinnati, and they said this guy he tried he figured well I can play against these guys, and he realized even though he played high school baseball in the 1980s, he wasn't good enough to go play in 1880. Right, and because of the new rules and everything, or the old rules, and so then he said, well, you know what? I'll I'll like I'll run the team. I'll 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 sell food. Hey, we're in Cincinnati. I'll go to the German part and get these Frankfurters and sell those at games. They've been doing it for years now. So it's all these creations so, and inventions. So what, what's that. the uh, like? What's the climax plot line for this this book? Uh, he comes. Uh, he at the end he comes. Falls in love. He falls. Oh, he falls yeah, in love with an old timey woman. All yes, right. he does. Okay, let's but hear then, about this. But then he then right. he actually he actually wakes up again. In the current day. So he's in the gutter. He wakes up in the past, falls in love with a woman while trying to sell marketing ideas to an old-timey baseball team, goes to sleep, and then wakes up, and he's back in the gutter, but in the present day. What, what, they do it in like 230 pages. I mean, it's you know probably more than that. So it's a pamphlet. Uh, <laughs> no. what, so what, what happens to the, the old-timey woman that he falls in love with? They did a. Uh, it's his mom. They did a second book. It's his mom. No, it's, ooh, that would have been even. Sounds worse. like a. Sounds like a different movie than Back to the Future. Yeah, Back to the Future. It's Back to the Future. Oh, I know. Um, Calvin. Yeah, it's got here. Um, you write your name on your underwear, huh? Here. A modern-day San Francisco journalist named Sam Fowler steps off an Amtrak train, finds himself in 1869, joins the Cincinnati Red Stockings. Meets Mark Twain, falls in love with a woman of the times the novel takes its name from lyrics in the baseball theme song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. So he meets Mark Twain. Yeah, it's actually you're too. underselling the most important part, I yeah. think, of the story. I who, plays, plays Mark Twain? who plays Mark Twain in the movie? I don't know. Shayla Bluff. <laughs> We'd find someone. White Sox lineup real quick before we get Jesse. Hold on, we gotta find out about this woman from the past, Fred. Yeah. Okay, give us the White Sox lineup. That's uh, quickly. Adam Engel, who had three hits yesterday in the leadoff spot, he is leading off again in center. Yomer Sanchez at second, Abreu at first, Delmonico in left, David's in third, Polka in right. Oof. That's always an excur- uh, interesting. You said, San- Fred. Yeah, Anderson is at short. Narvaez is catching, and Giolito <laughs> is uh, on the mound. It is a, a 120 start. And even though it was really bad and foggy this morning, it looks like they'll probably get this one in today. I don't think it's supposed to rain until later, to way later today. Yeah, good. Hopefully yeah. without a two-hour uh, delay. Today. So you're new in town. Where are you from? Well, I, I woke up in this ditch and I uh, just decided to uh, start selling marketing ideas to this baseball. Does team. he wake up in his clothes or does he wake up in old timey clothes? No, he wakes up in his clothes. Oh, he must That's look weird. Like you, an alien. You got to The sequel was called Two in the Field. Written There's back a sequel. Back in sequel? What? Yes, back there is. In, or does what he go to the this? future this time? I. You'll have to buy the, the old book. west. Does you'll he go have to the old west? I read it. I didn't enjoy the second one. We go. If I never get next, if I never get back, actually, we go to Wrigley. Coming up next, with Jesse Rogers, <laughs> right here on ESPN 1000. Baez with a slicing drive to right. That'll be extra bases. 
He's going to make the turn on his way to third. Throw there. Off the mark. A leadoff triple for Baez. He's an exciting point guard. You know, you just got, you got to keep your eye on him. He's Tony Archibald. <laughs> Norm Van Leer. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Joe Madden's happy. Everything's going well. Five straight wins for the Cubs as they wrap up their series with the White Sox this afternoon. It'll be Kyle Hendricks going against Lucas Giolito. 121st pitch. And uh, for this next, our next guest's sake, I hope there will be no rain delays. I hope he doesn't have to sit there and chat with other media members for two hours. Oh, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and we bring in Jesse Rogers. Hey, Jess, how are you? Actually, that rain delay, uh, Adam, you'll like the fact that I was able to finish my hobby bias piece. So, I did. Uh, I did like that, that piece. Time, yeah, that gave me time to write that and then watch the game without distraction. Uh, Fred, your White Sox are uh, not looking good right now. No, they're not good. They're, you know, uh, James Shields, we were talking earlier, James Shields retired 14 of 15. But, you know, the proverbial, you know, closing the gate after the horses have left. I mean, it's ridiculous. You give up. Yeah. In the first two days, the Cubs have scored nine runs in the first inning. The White Sox have yeah. scored six total. I was going to say, a lot of pitchers struggle in the first inning and then recover, but to struggle that badly and then recover, like, the complete opposite the rest of the way was quite amazing for Shields. And, you know, Joe talked about him reinventing himself. He's got that different arm angle going. And it's like if he could take innings two through five, six, seven, whatever he was, and, and put that in that first inning, would have been a hell of a game yesterday. But the first two days has just not been pretty. I mean, I, I, I haven't talked to Ricky Renteria post-game, just pre-game, and I would think he, he, it, forget the pitching, just the sloppy play would, would tick him off more than anything. And more, more game one than game two. Yeah. But it's yeah. all it's all it's all uh, stuff that in a year or two you're you're going to look back and say okay that that hurt but this feels so much better because we're we're further along at least that's the hope. Well, just don't be surprised if when uh, Kyle Hendricks gets out of the top of the first inning he goes into the dugout, puts down his glove, and grabs his helmet because the pitchers have hit in the first inning in both of the first two days for the Cubs. Yeah, it's been quite the offensive uh, outpouring this whole entire week for the Cubs. Obviously, the opponent has something to do with it, but it's also, as Joe would tell you and anyone else, the you know, the ebbs and flows of the game. Um, they played some good teams, struggled to score runs and won, then struggled to score runs and lost. Now they're playing bad teams and scoring a ton. Um, and here's the thing: when people want to, you know, look at the glass being half full and saying, "Oh, they're scoring against bad pitching," that's true, that's factual, but it does provide confidence for a hitter. It doesn't matter who's on the mound. And confidence is half the battle, if not more so, in the game of baseball, especially at the plate. So, yeah, you might beat up on, on, on Shields or Giolito today, who knows, uh, and, and face Scherzer down the road. But it, it, it helps you gain what you're looking for as you move forward in the season. It's just month two. You have a long season to go. Guys like Contreras and Rizzo, they needed a confidence boost. And we'll deal with Max Scherzer and those guys later. So all you can do is face the guys you're, you, that are on the mound now and uh, – you know, it's not like Shields didn't get people out later. These are major right. league pitchers, and some of these guys like Contreras are having great, great runs right now. Jesse, speaking of Contreras, how long until he's the best catcher in baseball? Well, I mean, going into this year, you could make the argument he was in that team photo. I think he has to show a little bit more consistency in his whole game. Uh, maybe a little less streaky at the plate. Um, certainly uh, call a game a little bit better. Pitch. You know, just a little nuances of the game that other catchers like Yadier does better. But the offensive ability, I hate to bring up Mike Piazza, but I, I, I bring his name up because 
that's the name that's popped up these last few days in terms of the milestones that Contreras is starting to reach. And, and you guys know, and I think people forget, to have that kind of output from the catching position is pretty rare and is a huge luxury for a team. I mean, absolutely, you know, a lot of catchers bat eighth in their lineup. This is a guy that's going to bat in the middle from now until the end of his career, possibly. So um, he's right there just because of his bat, though he had a slow start. This is, I think, the real Contreras. I think everybody sort of believes that. And what I find interesting is you talk about him and Javi Baez, for example. They're both excitable guys, right? Javi's personality shows up at the plate with the huge swings and the flip, right? You, you just you could tell that's a guy with personality. I think Contreras, for him to be great at the plate, he has to sort of hide that personality, that flair, and be real quiet, for lack of a better word, at the plate. You don't see him moving around. You don't see him with huge swings. You see him real relaxed and quiet at the plate for him to be successful. It's different than his real personality, and I think it's very different than Javi Baez at the plate. But you're seeing a quiet but large and loud bat uh, these last few days. So he's going to be there only because of his offense, if nothing else, very soon. But he does need to improve defensively in some little areas. But nothing major. I mean, he's right there. You alluded to it earlier. You wrote a great piece on Javi Baez. When did he make the adjustment from swinging at everything and missing to swinging at everything and being able to make contact? Yeah, I don't know if it's so much an adjustment as it is awareness. I think maybe just the experience of his, of his first couple of years. I mean, I'm guessing because no one really knows. You, you read the piece. Everybody is kind of mystified by the production he's having without taking pitches, without walking, just swinging away. But I think maybe Rizzo nailed it. Maybe I should look this up. Uh, he's falling off pitches he used to swing and miss on. And so they're bad pitches, but at least he's staying alive until he gets a better pitch to do some damage on. That was the best answer I got. But I should look that up if he's actually, you know, the foul ball percentage has increased. I haven't looked at that. Rizzo just told me that yesterday, and I put it in the piece. So, uh, I mean, I love the Brandon Morrow quote in there. It's, I, I mentioned it as almost like an Abbott and Costello quote, something like he's laying off the bad pitches he can hit, and he's still hitting the good pitches that are bad pitches or whatever he said. I mean, that's the bottom line. He's a bad ball hitter, but at least now on some of those swings, he's following them off or putting him into play and not swinging and missing, and that's why you're seeing so much contact. You know, just yesterday during the broadcast, I, was, I had the uh, White Sox broadcast on for a while, and Jason Benetti asked uh, Steve Stone why anybody pitches to Javi Baez because similar to, and I think I brought this up to you the last several days too, similar to Alfonso Soriano, you knew what the pitch was to get him out. He's, you know, low and away, he's going to swing, and they still got him out a couple times yesterday on, on bad pitches. Um, but it's like, why do you throw him there? But I, I guess eventually pitchers are just going to make mistakes, right? And, and, and Javi's hitting them. Yeah, I think you're right, Fred. I, I, am, I am sort of in agreement with Jason. I think we all are. It's almost like what we say about Lester. Why doesn't everybody just bunt and run against him? Just all the time, right? right. And, then, or, and then they don't do it. It's almost here. I mean, why not throw him six straight sliders away and see what happens? If he actually takes a walk, so what? It's just one base. It's an experiment, right? Let's see what happens six straight. But nobody does that. They, they throw one or two, then they come back with a fastball. I'm in agreement with you. I'd like to see, uh, look, everyone knows, Brandon Morrow barely faced Javi Baez in his whole career. The quote I have in the story, he said, everybody knows how to get Brandon, uh, Javi Baez out. I right. might be paraphrasing, but that's basically, everybody knows his weak spots, 
But this year, he's actually making contact even on those weak spots. So maybe the answer, Fred, is it's easier said than done. But I still would love to see a pitcher just slider, 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 slider. Just do it. The whole at-bat and see how the at-bat would end. As long as it's outside the zone enough. As soon as you go in the zone, at right. least these days, he's going to pound it. Obviously, you know, there will be a valley to the peak of what Javi is playing at right now. Shut but do you, do you think, <laughs> stop, Abdal, let's be realistic. Jesse wants to talk real baseball here, <laughs> not your nonsense <laughs> with Baez. Uh, do you think that this, is it possible that this is the player the Cubs will have going forward? Or do you think he will slump back to the place where we have seen Baez the last couple of years? Is he just that much more improved going forward for the Cubs? Oh, yeah, I'm a little biased in the sense that I'm an on-base guy. Uh, if you get, if, as a team, if you're getting on base, you're going to score runs. It doesn't matter how. I'm an on-base guy. That's why I've been critical of Javi in the past. But I'm past that criticism. Whatever he is, he's going to be. But I still think the numbers will come down. It's not sustainable. Uh, like Fred said, eventually pitchers are going to catch up. Eventually he, he's not going to hit every bad ball for a triple down the right field line. So I do think, and you know, I, I'm around Zobrist, I'm around Schwarber, I'm around Rizzo, I'm around Brian a lot. These are all guys that will tell you, and this is why the piece was so fun to write, walks are so significant. Even Addison Russell, who doesn't walk much, used that word. They are so significant to a guy's game because if you walk, it forces that pitcher to bring balls back in the zone, hittable balls, uh, hitters' pitches, not pitchers' pitches. So long story short, I don't think it's this sustainable, I mean, uh, over a – a thousand OPS without a walk. I mean, I'm talking about since his last walk. I just don't. I think it'll come down. But if he comes down to just like a normal, like let's say it's an 800 OPS, that's still really good. So I don't have a problem with him not walking. But I do think you can't expect him to keep this up. But even if he again, if he drops down one level, it's still pretty good. Pretty good production if he's like at an 800. So that's the kind of way I look at. And if he ever does walk just a little bit, watch out. You add that to his game, and all of a sudden his numbers might really skyrocket. So we'll see. And that's something Joe Madden mentioned yesterday. Every player needs to add that to their game eventually. You just can't go a whole season or a whole career without drawing some walks. I mean, that, that, that's Ty Cobb type stuff, right? I mean, unless he's going to be the best hitter in baseball, and I don't think he is, um, you're going to have to draw a few eventually. Carl Edwards Jr. had a bad two-thirds of an inning, and Twitter was not happy for some reason. I mean, this is just like a fluke for him. He's all right. Everything's fine. Uh, yeah, I think so. I didn't talk to him after the game because it was a blowout. But I will talk to him today, and I want to ask him, was it simply low leverage? Did you let up? Now, pitchers will never freely admit they let up. It's almost a subconscious thing, right? I mean, who wants to give up a home run and all that stuff? So if he let up, it wasn't certainly on purpose, but maybe after, the day after he'll be able to figure it out and, and say, yeah, my adrenaline wasn't running. It was my first non-high leverage. So, yeah, I don't think so. And, and I'm sure you guys saw the, the funny uh, thing with Cubs Twitter. Some guy wrote to, to Cubs on Twitter, send him to AAA. The Cubs wrote back, delete your account. And the guy actually <laughs> did. <laughs> and I retweeted it because, I mean, come on. I mean, obviously it's being sarcastic. Uh, if you, it, look, if, if it wasn't low leverage, if it was just his turn to get hit, then perfect. He did it in an 8-1 game. That's perfect. Get that out of the way. It's going to happen once a month to a pitcher like that. If it had to do with low leverage, then, then you learn from it. And I'm not saying Joe won't put him in a low leverage if it's his turn to pitch and other guys have been used up. Remember, they've had some blowouts during this win streak, so the Justin Hancocks can't keep pitching every day. Uh, there's nothing wrong with going to Edwards in an 8-1 game to get a little work. I think it had been four days since he last pitched. Uh, but at least you learn about him. You learn, okay, maybe it's not the best. 
um, in these situations. But uh, as long as he shows up in the high leverage, I think that's all anyone cares about. Jesse Rogers will be at the game today, the Cubs and the White Sox wrapping up that series. Cubs then will have another home game tomorrow, a makeup game as they take on the Braves before heading to Atlanta for a three-game series. Jess, the, the Manny Machado thing keeps coming up. I know David Hall wrote about it today. A lot of people are talking about Manny Machado. We talked to you about it a little bit yesterday with Murph. But there was a quote that I didn't see. Epstein actually said that as a rule, we will not be paying premiums for rentals. We just won't. It's hard to build an organization that way. Wasn't Gliber Torres a uh, premium that they paid for a rental in Chapman? Yeah, within that interview, he said that was the exception. If, oh, if there's okay. a moment where, yeah, and that's the thing. You can you exactly you can use you can use Machado as an exception. Oh, we're struggling. It's July fifteenth. We're not hitting. We're going to make an exception and trade for a rental, right? So he, he, of course, the door is always open. My feeling on this is just way premature. I don't know why we're talking about uh, uh, Manny Machado in early May unless the Orioles are, are really uh, letting people know they're going to sell early. I mean, it just it's just so early. Maybe June, maybe, but it's more like July that you start talking about this stuff. Um, and that's my point from the start. In July, we'll have a much better idea about this team and if they are in desperate need of Manny Machado. But I would say, and I said this to you guys yesterday, trading for, uh, even if it's middle-of-the-order guy, I just feel like, I don't know, I, I, the closer can affect so many games in, in, in October where a hitter doesn't necessarily. Okay. Now, if the hitter goes 4-4 four for four every day, he does. I guess I'll go back to what I said, though. If you're trading for him to get to October, then you do it. If you're trading for him just because of October, then you don't do it. That's my feeling. And we won't know about either of those questions until July at least. You've got to give this team some time. What if they lead the league and run scored? Would you trade the few assets you have for Manny Machado? I, don't, I wouldn't. Yeah, well, let's, you, see this, let's, let's see how this offense does. Yeah, yeah. Russell has to be one of the guys who would go because you're not going to bring over Machado and keep Russell. So he'd have to be the one guy, at least the one guy that would go. So, Yeah, I mean, I was forward in the offseason because we weren't sure what this offense would look like. And, again, I said this a few times. It does sound fun. It does sound fun. Yeah. But, it, you know, what did, what did Billy Bean do a few years ago with the A's? He had pitching. He traded for all sorts of more pitching. And it didn't do him any good. No, nope. right? I mean, if the Cubs lead the league in runs, are right there. I mean, why why would you give up a ton for Manny Machado? There, and here's the other thing: there are going to be more teams more desperate, right? The Dodgers obviously would would be more desperate now. If he falls into their lap, different story. But I don't know how Manny Machado would fall into the Cubs' lap. So it seems like a luxury. I say this coming off these five games where they've scored 50 runs, but it seems like a luxury they they, they don't need. Of course, if the Cubs go into the tank offensively, I might feel differently. <laughs> That's why this is a question for July, not right. May 12th. It's just, I don't understand why we're talking about this now. It's just, it's way premature. Jesse, what do you make of the situation with uh, Ben Zobris and his black cleats that uh, Major League Baseball does not want him to wear and will fine him if he keeps wearing them? Well, I. I, I the easy answer would be, of course, Ben's in the right. That's silly, and that that's the easy answer. But I will say, you know, the union has screwed up enough things. Why did they collectively bargain this? The, the, the statement MLB put out is correct in a sense. Uh, go talk to your union chief. You guys bargained this into the, the, the collective bargain agreement. Now, bigger picture, where I agree with Ben, is apparently he's worn them for a couple years. He said that in the Instagram post. Why are they coming down on him now? So that is certainly a good question. Wait a minute. You let this slide. Now all of a sudden you're coming down on us. Clevenger last week. So something must have happened, or the league is kicked off at the union, and they're, they're, they're poking them with little, little things like this. So that's where 
bends in the right. Hey, look, you gave me this uh, opening, this loophole for the last couple of years. Now you're closing up. Seems silly. But the league's not wrong. Why would the union uh, bargain this into the agreement if it if it's if it uh, if they want if players want to wear their own stuff? So um, I, I certainly will come on on come down on the side of Zobris for sure. Jazz, you can wear your own stuff all day today. Okay, <laughs> we'll let you wear whatever you'd like. Nothing fancy, trust me. <laughs> Jazz, enjoy the last game, and then uh, tomorrow against uh, Atlanta, and then you get to head to Atlanta for a couple games, huh? Yeah, I guess the rain's going to follow us down there. What a, what a strange Cubs season it's been. Maybe it'll clear up, but it does say rain like every day down in Atlanta. So, Crazy. Um, you know, month of May is still obviously a rainy month. We'll see what happens, you know, as this, as this goes along. But uh, we've had delays. We have postponements. Today's like a beautiful day, and it's overcast, but at least there's no rain expected. You know what I mean? No, nope, I do. Jazz, enjoy. Thanks a lot for jumping on. Okay, guys. Take care. Go hobby. Jesse Rogers, yeah, it's it's kind of like now it's kind of like the uh, the Northwestern football coach. Go Cats! Yeah, go Cats! Yeah, now it's go Javi. Well, it used to be because Baez was the thing to say because Baez, and then Abdallah turned into this uh, nonsensical uh, swag Javi deal. Swag. That Javi where, swag, where that's all he yells now, so people tweet him that. So, uh-huh. so it's what we have. It's uh, Baez. Listen, some of us say let Javi swag. Some of us claim that the Raptors are going to sweep the Cavs. It's fine. You know, it's, right. uh, we each we, to each their own, Chris. But there was a time, like I said earlier, where yeah. it was around this time last year, yeah. where people were down on Javi, and people were like, "Oh, he makes all these errors in the field, and he swings and misses at everything." Oh, Javi's up, end of the inning, I guess. Here comes a ground and do a double play, or here comes a he's going to try to win the game in one swing and strike out with the bases loaded. Now, just remember this time. Well, he still this time. he well, still listen. falls into those things. Yeah, and he still Baez. falls into those things. But then I'll then I'll hit one, you know, four hundred feet. So, and if you're a true bias expert, you should know that part of the bias progression is in each level that he got to. He struggled really bad. Yeah, and then he came back and was, the best, was the best player at that level. And then boom, he gets promoted. And then he struggles, 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 struggles. Is he that good? Does he have the potential? And then boom, here he comes. So. I, I'm not really that surprised that Javi Baez has, has finally adjusted to major league pitching and that, yeah, he's not walking, but this guy's a dangerous player. He's got pop in the bat and he is a super talented athletic player who get, who gives you plays that are more than just the average guy, uh, doing on, on the field. I remember seeing him, I want to say when he was with Peoria, the Peoria Cubs, and they came up to play the Kane County Cougars. And I went out there just to see Javi Baez. And the first time up, someone threw him an inside pitch and he hit the ball down the third, down the left field line that got to the fence faster than any ball I've ever seen hit. It's just unbelievable the way the ball jumped off his bat. And that was the first time I saw him. And he has that ability. But like we were talking about with Jess, and even Brandon Morrow said it, everybody knows how to get Javi yeah. out, just like everybody knew how to get Alfonso Soriano out. Sure. And I say this about Chris Bryant, too. I don't know why anybody throws Chris Bryant anything below the waist. Because Chris Bryant said last last Sunday with Alex Rodriguez, he goes, I like the ball thigh high on the inside part of the plate. They think they can get him out on the inside part of the plate. Pitchers are stupid, or they just can't control their pitches. Because anytime you can, as the pitch is coming to the plate, you know that Chris Bryant's going to hit it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was watching a game. This was last year. I'm watching a game with a bunch of other people. They were all Cub fans. And I'm, I'm looking up at the screen, and I see the pitch. I go, that's gone. And boom. It's, I go, it's, it's so hard to believe that pitchers in Major League Baseball will give one of the best players in the game a pitch exactly where he wants it. 
It's amazing. But like Jesse said, maybe it's not as easy as we are making it out to be, or at least me, um, as a guy that's sitting here talking about it and not throwing the ball. No, it's true. And I I do think there's an element of uh, sustainability when it comes to bias just because, yes, I agree with Jesse, not every bad pitch that he hits will be a triple. But I think the fact that he's just not swinging and missing like we saw in the past I think that is a a different baseball player than what we've seen. Yeah, but if, they, like, if he was still striking out the way we saw, like Fred said, everyone knows how to get him out. But now he's making contact on those pitches. He used to just completely whiff. Yeah. Well, he's extending at bats and he's not walking. That's like the point of Jesse's piece is that he's got this this great plate presence because he's he's made a minor adjustment. I don't know what it is and Jesse doesn't know what it is either, but instead of swinging and missing, he's extending his at-bats because he's able to find the ball. And, you know, we heard a, a soundbite earlier where he said whenever whenever he's sliding in yeah. and he sees the ball come in, it's just slowing down. Maybe the game is just finally slowing like you said, the adjustment, yeah. it's just slowing down for him and he's able to see the ball better so he can make those adjustments mid-swing if he has to and so he can foul the ball off if he sees a bad pitch on many weekends over the last couple weeks we've talked about how it's all or nothing with this cubs offense in baseball you get the home run the strikeout you don't see guys putting it into play wasn't it last weekend that we were talking about the the cubs were in a spot and the reason they scored a run that then allowed them to either win or tie the game was because Baez put a ball in play and i think it was the cardinals they went to go do a double play and turn it, and right. they, they they messed up somewhere around game, second man. base, right? And the reason why the Cubs were al- allowed to score, keep the inning alive, was because Baez put it in play. He didn't strike out. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and, yeah. and I think that's the thing that's fascinating. Yeah, he's not walking. He's not striking out as badly as he used to be because he's putting the ball in play, making people play defense, which is now a obscure thought when you're watching baseball. Before we get to the break, let's go to Don. He's been nice enough to hang on. Don and Burridge, what's going on, Don? Hey, two things. Number one, um, I, I go to the uh, Friday uh, Friday game between the Cubs and the Sox, and a buddy of mine's a Sox fan. I'm a Cub fan, and I'm thinking the Cubs are going to score eight runs today. I says, um, he goes, give me ten runs. I says, I'll give you eight runs. And the only reason I didn't say ten is I was worried about the cold and I was worried about the rainout. And he, he says, um, he goes, no, I want ten. I says, nope. So after the first inning, he goes, I want 15 runs. I said no. So, just uh, the Sox pitching is horrible. You were talking. Uh, a second thing is you were talking a little bit about the guy going back in the future. Me and a buddy have talked about how would Babe Ruth do nowadays with the pitching and the relief pitching. Would he even make the major leagues? Well, and, and you're, well, you, you bring up a point about relief what? pitching. You bring up a point about relief pitching. Re, relievers are coming in. They're all throwing 98, 99 miles an hour. You're right about that. Good ones. Uh, but, yeah, Babe Ruth, I think, would, would probably nope, make the he majors. wouldn't no, make the no, majors. Hot dogs in, and cigarettes. In 2018, Babe Ruth would not make the majors. When we, come, when we come back, we go right, around Major it. League Baseball in my baseball notebook right here on ESPN yeah. 1000. All right. I love it. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's baseball notebook. Never's a long time. Chris Black, Adam Dollar, Fred Huebner, 
Every Sunday, we do my baseball notebook. Got a bunch of notes. We got a couple of highlights just to uh, look at it as we start Sunday in the National League Central. St. Louis and Pittsburgh share the lead uh, in the division. The Cubs and Milwaukee both a half a game back. Where are the White Sox? Oh, the White Sox are the worst team in baseball. They're nine and twenty-seven. They've won uh, a quarter of their games if they've had you know if they needed to or not. They're 12 and a half games out because Cleveland leads the Central with a 500 record at 19 and 19. Fred, now, the worst start in franchise history. Your yes, thoughts? it is. Worst start in franchise history. And like I told you on Friday, I never thought it was going to be this bad. If you remember, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just because he was on a Chicago radio station, but Dan Plesak actually said this team has a chance to challenge for a wild card spot. Well, that's why we forget takes, Fred. That's why we move on. No one keeps any uh, running chart of takes in uh, today's sports media, so you can just throw it out there, and then you just keep moving forward. Well, I got to tell you, uh, 68 wins would be is tough when you only got nine through the first 36 games. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. That means you've got to win, let's see, you've got to win 59 of your remaining 130 games. I'm keeping track. Chris takes it. He's 0 for 1 on his takes. <laughs> So yesterday, lots of baseball, as there always is, and uh, them damn Yankees, they, they they get a victory. Line drive, center field, and it's going to be in there for a base hit. Sanchez rounding third. Here's the throw to the plate. It's offline. The Yankees win on a walk-off single by Neil Walker. It's a 7-6 final here in the Bronx. Yeah, the Yankees get a win after both they and Boston uh, lost games on uh, Friday night. They both come back and get wins yesterday. They share the best record, uh, not in baseball. Oh, I'm sorry, it is in baseball now. They have the best records in baseball, 27-12. and 12. Yankees and Boston share the top spot in the American League East. Uh, Eric Hosmer, he made lots of money, and yesterday a little bit of it paid off for a San Diego team who finds themselves in the cellar in the National League West. Hosmer lines it into right field. Down towards the corner, Jordan Lyles is coming around, and the Padres are walking off tonight in 13 innings. The Friar faithful will go home happy. Oh, the Yankee highlight was courtesy of the Yes Network. That was uh, San Diego Fox Sports with the Hosmer. And uh, a couple other notes I want to make sure you guys knew about, because... You know, we're all talking Sox and Cubs, and that's what we do in the Sox-Cubs weekend series. Big rivalry. There's another team out there that's actually pretty good. Um, The uh, Houston Astros, they're the defending champions. Yes, they are. Uh, They're 25-16. and They lead the American League West over the Angels by a game. Yesterday, the Astros' Charlie Morton had a career-high 14 strikeouts, a 5-0 win. Houston's... Houston has three starting pitchers in the top six in ERA in the National League. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, in all of baseball. Why say the National League? Verlander is four and two with a 121. Garrett Cole is four and one with a 143, and Charlie Morton's five and zero with a 2.03. So with their top three starters right now, they are 13 and three. That sets up pretty well when it gets to the postseason. If they all stay, if they all stay healthy. Yeah, I think they've got the the best chance out of any recent team I can think of to repeat. repeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just based on their pitching, if like you said, if they stay healthy. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question, Fred. How did the Astros get Garrett Cole? Free agency, right? Didn't he sign with the Astros? Free agency. Boy, was it a trade? I want to say it was a trade. Garrett Cole for a long time was was a rumor for the Chicago Cubs. Was he not? He was he was a guy that many people thought would be a long time rumor. Yeah. Instead, they have you, Darvish. That's all I'll say. 
Yeah, they do. They could have had Justin Verlander, couldn't they? They traded him. All right, yeah, so they, trade, they right? pulled off trades. It, was, it yeah. was in the last offseason, though. It yeah. wasn't when... Uh, right, he was thinking about some run. of their young guys. Okay, so Verlander, Cole, both guys are rumored to be on the radar for the Chicago Cubs. The Verlander would have made more sense. It would have. Yeah. yeah. They have you, Darvish. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, the one other thing I have for the Houston Astros, Fred, they lead all of baseball in run differential. 86. The next best team is 65, the Boston Red Sox. Well, so, you know why? Like we said, they're not give, they don't give yeah, up any runs. They don't give up any runs, and they pound the ball. Yeah. Well, and if you look at when, if we go back to when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, that was ex- around where their run differential was around this time. Yeah, they, so, were, they were really good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Cleveland's Francisco Lindor, two doubles, two homers yesterday. Cleveland gets a win over Kansas City. The Braves, who the Cubs are going to get to see four times next week, once at Wrigley Field tomorrow and three times down in Atlanta, weather permitting. They hit four homers and beat Miami 10-5 to yesterday. The team with the best record in the major league since April 29th is the Washington Nationals. They had a 2-1 win over Arizona. Now, remember last week they were batting Bryce Harper leadoff? Yeah. Well, now they've got Trey Turner, then Bryce Harper, then... Anthony Rondon, one, two, three. It's a pretty good uh, top of the order for the Nats, who are playing very, very well. You find them right now. Believe it or not, they are third in the East. Atlanta is in first. Philadelphia is a game back. And then Washington is a game and a half back, but it's a long season. It's early still, It's right? early, guys. It's yeah. early. Mike Trout has 17 walks in his last 13 games. <laughs> Not only is he the best ball player when they actually allow him to hit the ball, but he also knows how to take a walk. Um, Dodgers bullpen, they've allowed 75 earned runs in 30, 39 games. Last year, they didn't allow their their um, 75th earned run until June 15th. Yeah, the Dodgers are struggling right now. Yeah, I was watching some of that game last night. Cody Bellinger hit a home run. and Eight games out in the yeah. last. Yeah, they are, they're not. I the, don't know if it's early there, guys. I don't know if it's still no, early it's still in early. Los Angeles. It's always early in L.A. When they're you're two eight games back us. and you got a team like the Diamondbacks <laughs> in first place, 24 like and 15. Thank you. Yeah, I heard what you That was said. a good one, actually. Well done. Uh, uh, and squirrel, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. For uh, Drew Ball Her- Herrera uh, leads the National League at hitting on base, and he's got a streak of uh, 40 straight games getting on base. Isn't that what you want? On base percentage? You Absolutely. want guys to get on base? That's what uh, he does. That's what Philadelphia does. They've got uh, Jake Arrieta. They've got uh, Aaron Nola. You know, it, it's funny. We talked about all of the, you know, walk, Strikeout and home runs, 36 of the things, uh, 36% uh, percent of all at-bats end in those three things. Sure. Okay? And you look at it, earlier this week, Aaron Nola had like a career night striking out people. Yesterday, Charlie Morton, career high. Everybody's home run or nothing, it seems. And yeah. that's one of the things that me as an old-timey baseball guy, which I think is the exact way you like to word it, mm-hmm. an old-timey baseball guy. A good uh, old-timey baseball guy. It's, it's a little bit difficult to to uh, figure it out. Now, the Cubs have been doing real well this year, this week. You know what they've been doing? They've been hitting the ball out of the park. Yeah. E- even Joe Madden will say it. And again, I'm just saying what Joe says. When they don't win, he wants them to move the ball around. Right. But when they hit the ball out of the park. It's fine. Everything's great. Yeah. All is well. Well, you told us during the break, uh, before we got into the baseball notebook, that the last five games, the Cubs scored 50 runs. Yeah. And they, the five-game winning streak, the five-game losing streak, they scored how 14. many runs? 14 runs. It's as if, now I'm no baseball expert, but it's as <laughs> no, if. No, you're not. <laughs> it's as if scoring lots of runs yes, yeah. is a good thing. It's usually uh-huh. a good yeah, thing. Scoring runs, yeah. And especially when you score more than your opponent. But the funny thing is, they won. So I've heard. The funny thing is, they won 
five games in a row before they lost five in a row, right? Scoring only twelve runs. So that, but remember, that's when each of their starters yeah. had a great outing. Yeah, boom, boom. So they've had over the last fifteen games. Think about it. They had all five pitchers step up and pitch well. Then nobody play well. Mm-hmm. And then. Their hitters stepping up because the pitchers. To be honest with you, none of the pitchers are really super impressed during this this week. Okay, um, you know Lester got a win going five innings. They they got Chatwood who walked five uh, on Friday. They just got him through his five innings and he came out. Mm-hmm. But their pitching has it's all been hitting. So they can beat you hitting. They can beat you pitching. If it all comes together, they'll go on a nice long run. So we'll see what happens. And uh, St. Louis is still there. Milwaukee's still there. And I think the Cubs have allowed them at this point to stay there. Fred, you know what's interesting is you mentioned Mike Trout and the walks that he's had as of late. Yeah. Um, so Mookie Betts is probably, if you asked and, and polled people, who's the MVP of the AL so far to this point in the season? I think most people would agree it's Mookie Betts, right? He's pretty good. Uh, Mike Trout still has a better war than what Mookie Betts has to this point in the season. Mookie Betts is at 3.0. Mike Trout is at 3.3. Does I it, mean, he is so good. But it's, does he really? Because he plays in Anaheim. Are they just making all this up? They we never could, see because him. no one ever sees their games. No, no one ever talks about no, it. Yeah. We never but, see him. Before the show, we were. Uh, I was reading some Shohei Otani stats, and yeah. Chris goes, did he just not play for two weeks? I go, no, he's in Anaheim, so we just don't. No, it's yeah. true, because we like, just don't hear about them. The season like started, everyone was all hot and bothered over yep. Otani, and then it was like we went through a couple-week period where I didn't even hear yeah. his name. I was so upset when he signed with the Angels just because because we wouldn't be able yeah. to see him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He I actually mean, will pitch today, I think, for the National. Or, like, he hasn't been hurt, Angels. right? Like, he's been playing. Yeah. He, he did. He twisted an ankle, right, so he missed a the start. Okay. He missed the start, and uh, he had actually gotten thrown out at first and, you know, tried to avoid somebody, and I think he stepped on the base wrong or something. But, uh, yeah, he's it's uh, funny, right? Like, he's still he, hitting the ball. The Angels have two legit stars. Yeah. And I know Otani is still young in Major League Baseball, so maybe not everyone has seen him play, but someone who can pitch and hit yeah. and is actually putting up numbers at this point is pretty impressive. And then Mike Trout, ho-hum, he's still leading in war throughout this part of the season in the AL and, in fact, in all of baseball. Yeah. It's it's just incredible that no one even knows who this guy I mean, I, baseball fans, sports radio fans, we all know who Mike Trout is, but I'm saying That's it's what like. Mike Trout looks like? Yeah, I know. Look at him. It's that guy. <laughs> Not that oh. guy. This guy. Yeah, that guy with the smile. It's a good smile. I know. Someone should market him. You know what he does, too? Uh, he does everything right. Yeah. He hustles on every ball that he hits. And he, autogra- he signs autographs before every game. Yeah, I mean. And- so, he, so the kids love him. Yeah. All the uh, experts love him. The analytics guys love him. Everybody loves Mike Trout. We never see him play. Yeah, Mookie Betts has been fantastic to this point. One of the best teams in baseball, the Red Sox. Well, we see the Red Sox almost every night. We do. Yeah. And, Especially and on, when they're playing the Yankees. On the highlight shows, you're getting oh. Mookie Betts highlight here, there, everywhere. But Mike Trout's still better war. Sometimes on Major League, on MLB Network, even Kelly Nash can't stay up long enough yes. to show the Angels highlights. <laughs> uh, we come back. We're gonna. I'm going to give you some football information. Ooh. Well, not information. Just a little bit of talk because it is the uh, rookies uh, up at Hallis Hall. And I want to ask you guys, since you guys are, you know, Abdallah's in the swag, I want to know if this is a good thing to have for one of the uh, Bears players. Okay. It's Black, it's Abdallah, it's Hubner here till noon on ESPN 1000. That guy. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Okay, it's Black Abdallah Hubner. We're here till noon. Some more NBA talk 
in the next hour as we'll have uh, Dieter Kurtenbach, who Chris says worked here. I don't know. He's an, an intern here. Back Come in on, the day. He's an old uh, Mac. He- Listen, I get it. Us who intern yeah, at this we're station, not cool. we're, we're not no, supposed no, to be seen cool. or spoken to no, until finally we grab a mic ourselves. But see, I can't. Uprising I, of the interns, Fred. We had Amin on earlier. He was a former yeah. intern. Black and Abdallah, we were interns. Dieter, former intern. I didn't get here till 2010, so these guys had already left. Oh, yeah. Both That's of fair. them had left already. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dieter was a uh, Matt Kierko and Harry uh, intern. Uh, he's very tall. Okay, yes, he is. Cool. So covering basketball is a good thing for him. Yes. So yes. he will. He is at the uh, San Jose Mercury News. He will join us talking Warriors. Here's a couple of things I want to ask you guys. First of all, is this good to have your rookie wide receiver say, I feel like the game's not all finesse. You've got to stick your nose in there sometimes. You know what I mean? So you can't be a pretty boy. You can't be great without um, attitude. You have to believe in yourself always. You always have to know that you can run that route, make that catch, make any type of play. There's The Bears seem to have a, a wide receiver, Anthony Miller, who's very, very confident in himself. The article today, Patrick Finley in the Sun-Times, physical Miller exudes tood. Oh, I, I like it. I like it. Is this the guy that's, uh, this is the injured guy, right? One of the injured guys that they drafted? No, the guy from Memphis. No, this is, the yeah, third. No, this is a wide receiver, Anthony Miller. Yeah, yeah. he's he's not participating he in it part- yeah, he, because he's injured. He didn't participate in one. I think he did the next day. because oh, I, I saw video he, from the Bears that they put out themselves where he's participating. So. Yeah, uh, he uh, he wasn't participating in the first day because he uh, he had a hurt foot. Yeah, he had a fractured foot that he didn't do. He didn't combine and work in some of the combines back in the day. Yeah. So, But I, I think it's great to have a, a, a wide receiver with attitude. Especially if he can play. Yeah, it sounds gritty. And someone needs to go over the middle, get those tough catches, extend yeah. the drives, move the chains. Hey, I like Merritt. it. Oh, he's not here. <laughs> he would have been nice for that. I read that he was comparing himself to he wants to be a Steve Smith type of yeah, well, receiver, which would be great. He said, yeah, he said he talked to Smith, and Smith basically said... Um, What's the first thing that comes to mind when you say Steve Smith? I think great. Cocky. Crotty, uh, crocky, cocky, gritty. Crocky. Or crocky. Or crocky. Yeah. That's all yeah. goes cool. together. Okay, here's the other yeah. thing that I thought you guys would poo-poo. And this is something that a lot of um, uh, a lot of older fans think is very, very cool. Um, two days after having seven alums, Steve McMichael, Alex Brown, Jay Hilgenberg, Charles Tillman, Marcus Robinson, Bob Watoska, who's way back in the day, James Big Cat Williams, speak to the rookies. The Bears welcomed former center Olin Krutz to practice. Um Matt Nagy said, any knowledge that you can get from Olin, whether it's him just observing or giving ideas or suggestions, they're going to take it. It seems like that's something that wasn't done for a while with any of the Bears coaches recently. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys think that's a good thing to have people to explain to all these young rookies that are making their first uh, venture into the NFL to explain, I mean, except, especially Mongo, to stand up there and explain to them what, what football is all about. I'm amazed that the Bears brought Mongo back to do anything. So am I. Because he's, he's talked about it, yeah. and I don't think they've asked him much at all. No. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I think it's cool as well. I don't think it's something the poo-poo. I think understanding the, the history, the deep, rich history of the Chicago Bears is a part of being on this team mm-hmm. and, and moving the franchise forward. Like, I, I get that you can say that, yeah, he's an old-timer, who cares? But, like, 
there's meaning behind the things that Mongo says. He might be a little out there with, like, could you imagine him standing in front of everyone, listen, brother, and just going <laughs> off on these tangents and all this stuff? The but first time people see him, they don't yeah, know who he is. Mongo talks like, football. Like, Mon- yeah, Mongo is a monster of the midway. He is a legendary Chicago Bear. And yeah. that's someone, and, you know, Alex Brown was there as well. Alex Brown is not someone that you would necessarily maybe think when you say, Monsters of the Midway, you think of the guys from the 85 team, but Alex Brown is the connection from the past to the future, and he might be a guy that's worthwhile to be like, hey, you know, I was new at some point, I was told about the Mm -hmm. 85 team, but this this is what it means to me now, and this is what I did to carry this legacy forward. And Olin kind of brings like a different attitude as well. Like, Olin was a dude, like, Olin was a monster. Well, and if you guys, if if you ever watch the Bears post game on. Um, NBC Sports Chicago. Yeah. When they lose, Alex Brown is oh, mad. Yeah, sure. Alex Brown is aggravated. And it's fun watching him because... He was mad at he would do the same thing when he came in when here. He, did, he was right. doing post-game shows here. And, and it, it was, he was just so upset. And he still gets mad because he knows the way the game's supposed to be played. We had... And Al, he'll, he can never do any wrong. When he left the Bears, he went to the Saints. Do you remember the great run? That, I can't even remember the name of the running back now. The running back for Seattle... Had in the yeah, playoff game, um, you know who I'm talking about? Yes, he and uh, Marshawn Lynch he, he, had yeah. that yes. amazing. Marshawn Lynch. Lynch had just a tremendous run. He went through, uh, he went through Alex Brown twice. Yeah, once near the line of scrimmage and once further down the field. Yeah, right. That next day, and that, that was the Saturday playoff game. We had him out on Sunday because I was working with Jerry Azuma here, mm-hmm. and we called Alex Brown, and mm-hmm. he came out with us and talked about it. And after that, he could do no wrong. Yeah, he's Let's one of the be greatest honest. guys in the world. Since Lovey Smith left, toughness uh, and and the style of football that we are all proud to watch Shit. for it's the Chicago lacking. Bears, we have not seen. No. So with these guys coming in just to give some advice, maybe tell them a story or two, maybe it just sets the table for when the, when the players of today go out there in the back of their mind they remember, oh yeah, this Bears Packers thing. There's meaning here. It means Vikings. Something. We hate them. Like mm-hmm. I, I like that. I'm I mean, it's actually a rivalry, the Bears-Packers. It is. We'll get back to talking some NBA. We come back. We'll talk about the Warriors. We'll talk about uh, the Western Conference Finals. When we come back, it's Black Abdallah Hubner right here on ESPN 1000. See Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. It's a triple play for the Sox. Bases loaded. Bases clean. They see Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner. I have not mentioned... Um, and I'm not always, I'm not very serious usually. I just like to sit here and have fun with, especially with these two guys. Um, but I have not mentioned, and yes, Murph mentioned it yesterday like three times. Hope ever, you know, happy Mother's Day to everybody. And I posted this on uh, Twitter or on Facebook too. Uh, my mom passed away two years ago. This is like an awful day. I hate when people say happy Mother's Day after your mom has passed away. They don't know any better. And I, sure. that's, I don't blame them. It's just, but I just, you're, and I know this station, especially for the last month or two, has done a lot of stuff about, uh, well, they, thank goodness they don't do pajama gram for moms. Um, 
But they do flowers, they do candy, and all the other Jam stuff. Jamma cramps. <laughs> yes. I mean, mom's got to be comfortable when they see too. Okay. Yeah, they do. Right. They yeah. do. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, and I put this up. The hoodie footy. Yeah. Your yeah. mom doesn't want flowers or candy. She just wants to talk to you or see you or whatever. So sure. if you get a chance, make sure, even if you're not around, I know that, Adam, your mom's not here, right? Yeah, yeah. She's in Florida. <laughs> No, I know. That's what I meant. I meant not For here. a second, Abdal thought there was news being broken to him. No, no. She said, Florida. Fred, what, I'm what are you telling me? At this day, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if your mom's, I don't know if your mom's tech savvy enough to Skype with her. But, uh, you know, any, anybody that's out there, if you're not going to see your mom today, make sure you call her and talk to her because there's nothing more than anybody who doesn't have their mom anymore would like to do than talk to her again. We can talk to my mom right now, Diane Black. She's uh, going to call she, all no, listens. She, she oh, listens okay. to everyone. All the yeah. so the dogs. I know that her and Casey and Bailey, the dogs, uh, yep. they're 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 listening. I mean, and Hunter, that and they, you know, people. There's a lot of names. people. You know, you, you, over the course of your many many years uh, as a human, uh, you may say, you know, I don't want to call my ma. I'm always calling my ma. Yeah, you, just every once in a while, just give her that extra call, just out of nowhere for no reason. Just a just a chat. Absolutely. Yeah. And today is the day that you got to make sure because I would give my ma flowers and she would go. These are a waste of money. Why are you spending this money on me? So then I stopped and I just call her. I got my mom golf stuff. Did you? Oh, she's a golfer? Yeah, she's in oh, Florida. She's in Florida. She, she does to. now. Yeah. Oh, she she lives on one of those golf courses where she doesn't have a car. She has a golf cart. No, she doesn't. She does not. She lives within close, very close distance. It's like right across the street from the golf course. And she's in like a league now that she just joined. So she needed uh, golf stuff. So she got a bunch of golf stuff. That's cool. Eastern Tease. Tease a glove? No, nah, like yeah, like uh, like towels and like various things, you know, that go along with her. Like, well, she's got like a bag and it all matches and a everything. Towel yeah, with yeah, Adam's yeah. face on it. So yeah, she always yeah. Remembers them. yeah. My sister and I are, are the like we got golf balls made with our faces on them. There you go. So she can hit them whenever she wants to. <laughs> no so, surprise. So I just want—I mean, for those you know, everyone's been talking, saying, you know, Happy Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day. My yes. brothers and sisters are all getting together, and I told them, I said, No, this is like my least favorite day right now, so I'm not gonna get together with them i'm gonna let them go in and yeah you know yeah. and uh you know my wife will uh, remind us that uh even dog moms are moms too are they Adam, really uh, whitney did you get whitney something for mother's day i gotta stop on the way home i guess <laughs> see I no you, man. Just, just fred, just... fred <laughs> when you have a dog and you have a wife that's obsessed with said dog uh-huh. and she is a mother too you just leave it at that is it yeah gus wouldn't got a gift yesterday for her so it's it's all taken care of he something, was saving his puppy dollars. Something he He's found fine. in the park? He found he found something. Yes, he did. Brought it back? Yes. Here's the dead rat just for you. Yeah, yeah. here's a gift certificate from a nail salon. Here you go. It's amazing they allowed him. How did he, how did he get, find that change? Where well, did we, he keep the change? We, we walked in and all oh, the ladies looked Oh, he used credit, at, I'm sure. Yeah, he used credit. Yeah. He, he's got good credit. Yeah. Smart dog. Pup he pal. Used, Started early. I posted yesterday, and you guys probably saw it just shook your head. Am I the only person uh, that has not used an ATM card? Wait, what do you mean? You've never gone to an ATM? Only in Germany in 2006. Otherwise, I don't... You've never gone what? to an Wait, ATM? Hold on. Uh-uh. hold on. I've not gone you, to an ATM. How do you take cash out? When, when I cash my check, I take my check, I go to the bank, and they give me money back. Okay, but w- say you have spent the cash that you allotted yourself to take out at that time. You can't. What do you... What do you? What do you what? mean? You can't. What? You, <laughs> what? you, 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 you never can't. spend above your means. If you, you whatever you got in your pocket is the most money you can spend. 
my mind is. But I have more I'm, money. My mind is going right. in so many different directions. And, I don't even understand this. And you, so, pre- you prepare ahead of time. You prepare before you go out. But, I, I knew I was going what, to a bar yesterday, so I did. I used credit yesterday at the bar, but I but I had a credit card. Okay, say you're at the bar. We leave and go to a hot dog stand that only takes cash. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you don't I, have that cash in your pocket? I don't eat. What happens if what? you need to make it rain? <laughs> I've never needed for, to make it Fred, rain. Fred in the club. With My the- wife has all the singles. Yeah. <laughs> I make it rain at home. Um, <laughs> I make it rain at home. There's a, there's, a, there's a store down the street, and you guys you, might know it. You've never used an ATM? No, I've never used what? that. Only in Germany. Oh, I know Germany, you're going to say that. I know exactly where this is going. There's a store down the street that doesn't take cash. Yes. And you're going to hate it because they don't take cash. I'm not going to mention the name of this, but I was going to go healthy one day. It's 2018, <laughs> man. Who cares? I'm like, what? I like, was going to go healthy one day, and I said, I'm not paying name names. $7 for a salad. At name names. Sweet Leaf or whatever it's called. Oh, okay. I'm not going to go and pay Seven dollars for salad on my credit card. I usually I got to be over a certain amount of money before I'm going to use a credit card. Even. Why? What? That's it. I use credit cards for like dollar transactions, and, and I'm the guy standing behind you that's going. Really? You don't have a dollar in your pocket? No. You know why? Because it takes longer wow. for the person to count out my change. No, it doesn't. You're lucky I don't write a check it, it, when I see you behind me. It doesn't actually. <laughs> have you seen someone trying to pot? Like, have you seen someone use a check and then seen the person on the other side of the register try and figure out what the what hell that is. person's yeah. doing? Uh, yeah, I've witnessed that before. And oh wow, that you mean is, you could just write an blowing. amount on what? a piece of paper. Yeah. It works for what? a little bit, maybe. Here's a note. Let me slip you a note yeah. and, and get money in return. Wow. I don't I see what I All don't right. understand is it's 2018. You have to like there. It's more. It's harder to accept cash these days if it's you're a business. There. It's getting there. And, and I understand why some businesses do it, because first of all, no one's going to walk in and say, give me all of your. What you get my receipts? As someone who no has cash. been robbed at a store, yeah, true story. If we didn't have money, I would have been like, "Sorry, dude, we don't have just no cash here," and right. he would have just walked out. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. Well, that, I mean, that's what, I would have given him a blizzard. Did, 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 you, did you know that Abdallah stared down the barrel of a gun? I did not know that. Yeah, I got robbed at a dairy. Someone robbed a Dairy Queen in the middle of winter. He got like forty five dollars. No, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, but he, you're uh, right. I understand that, and that's the way it's all going to go. And eventually, because for store owners too, it makes more sense. Yeah. I understand that yeah. because now you don't have to worry about your your employees stealing money, right? Because they have no money to deal with anymore. Well, and you also don't have to worry about like them getting like get their safety when they make like the drop at the end of the night. Because like I worked at a store. And we'd have to like at the end of the night, we'd have to go to a bank and like put it in like they have a secure right. drop thing for that. businesses. Right. You don't have to do that anymore. No, you're right. Wow, I'm just You've never used an ATM. I used an ATM in Germany because I knew I didn't want to walk around with that much cash. What? But that would go to the ATM. <laughs> I would get what I needed for the next couple days. Have you ever been to Vegas? Vegas? What Hold did on. you do in Vegas? Hold on. Same the- thing. The what? one time you used an ATM, you had to pay a foreign transaction fee. <laughs> I know the, the worst time. <laughs> the ATM. worst time to use an I ATM. I know. It's like, well, the only time I use ATM was when I was in a strip club, and wow, the charges There's on that. There's a $15 charge. No. No, and actually, uh, if I went to certain places in Germany at the ATM, I didn't have, the charge was minimal. Oh, okay. yeah. It was minimal. Yeah. And I only went to those places. And most I, banks will refund that. So, okay, that. so not, not okay. to uh, make you a target on the street, so how much do you have on you at any given time? Never more what than, are you, the police? Never more than like 50 or 60 bucks. Yeah, so not, you're always... Specifically rationing out yeah. fifty bucks per day, just keeping your pocket. Basically, yeah. Wow. Oh, but I have credit cards. 
No, so I if I need something, to, like yesterday, I went to the Goose Goose Island Brew House, yeah. and I said, "Well, I got forty bucks in my pocket, but I don't want to spend that on this, so I'll use the credit card for that." But I always have to. I asked you guys. I think it was you two and, and Eric were working. This was about a year or so ago. And I walked in and I said, "I know this is a really stupid question, but does anybody here have change for a twenty? And none of the three of you had a dollar in your pocket. See, I, I, I don't have a dollar on me. <laughs> I used to bring cash to the bar. Eric's, Eric's waving his head. No, he doesn't have any money. No I used to bring cash to the bar just because I used to forget my card at the bar. If I used to at the bar. end of the night, at the end of the night, I forget my yeah. card oh. and I'd have to go back in the morning. See, I don't take mine out. I'm getting all kinds of... Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It is yeah. like you are from another planet. Well, the fact what? that you've never used an ATM machine... Never. We'll, we'll get back to this. Never. We will get back, we to, will this. Get back to this. We will get back to this. Because uh, mm-hmm. Dieter's on the phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Dieter thinks it's ridiculous you've never used an ATM, too. I'm sure he does. And I've only, I've only used it in Germany. Uh, Dieter Kernbach from the San Jose um, Mercury News joining us, talking some basketball and none of this ATM stuff. Dieter, what's going on? No, I disagree. We're talking about this ATM thing. Right? It's ridiculous. You've never used one before. And the only time you've used it is on foreign soil. Yes, the only time. Only time I've ever used one. What? Yeah, because I get my check. I, we go to the bank. And I get a certain amount of money, and that's what I have. It's I ration it. I ration you, my cash. Do you, do you go when you get your paycheck? Do you go to the bank to cash the paycheck? I did till six months ago. Now I get direct deposit. <laughs> Only because and Dieter, there's a story. Dieter, there's a, there's a, there's a story behind it. The first two times I tried direct deposit, both times it was screwed up. Both times they screwed it up, and I said, you know what? I'm never doing this again. There's still a guy at the station here that gets a check. And old Dieter knows. Dieter, when you interned here for Mac Yurko and Harry, Yurko still gets his check. We'll come in on his day off if he's not working (laughs) to get his check because he doesn't trust the system. That's also also like a residual from the NFL. They put, they put, like, they used to put the check in the lock. Like a direct deposit, but they used to put the check in the locker, and that was how it was explained to me. Like he enjoyed that ritual of like <laughs> I have gotten what I've earned, and like he could see it in his hands. But like that was a decade ago, so I would hope that that's changed. Probably hasn't. It has not. No, it definitely has not. But anyway, on to the Warriors. <laughs> on to the Warriors. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. As if we as if we could focus on basketball at a time like this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be walking into the arena in Houston with uh, with cash. Nobody will have cash when they walk into Houston tonight. Okay, so all of their credit in the ATMs. Yeah, right. Uh, so as we look uh, towards uh, this more serious topic of basketball, uh, all right, Golden State comes in as the two seed uh, to the Rockets all season long playing outstanding basketball. Uh, do they feel as if uh, they have something to prove since they're not the team with home court advantage in this series? No. Well, it's a great, uh, great answer that we I knew from, we were going to lose yeah, him. I, it was I knew we were going to lose him. He hung well, up. He only wanted to talk about the ATM news. So, <laughs> so let's talk about this though, because Golden State comes into this series as as the team that starts the first two games on the road, and if they go to a seventh game, they'll be on the road for that one as well. So you know, the Rockets spent all season, all off season, talking about the goal is to beat the Warriors, and I wonder if building that up so much will create this pressure that's unnecessary once the series itself actually gets going. You guys see what I'm saying? No, I do. And I, I, 
I wonder if the all the stuff that we heard in the regular season about how oh the the Rockets are the one team that can yeah. take down the Warriors. They can do this. They can if this is if this is a, a team that's ever been vulnerable. It's going to be this Warriors team. They're they're most vulnerable. If that because kind of they have something to prove because of that. So Dieter's back with us. Uh, Dieter, do you think there's a chip on the shoulder of the Warriors since the Rockets have been built up all season long? They're the one seed. The the Warriors come into this series as the team starting on the road. Yeah, yeah. It sounds it, it, all year more difficult than it had to be, and I think that that's actually somewhat of a good thing. That ain't this ain't gonna work. No, no. Uh, yeah, his connection. We'll call him back. Yeah, his connection is not working. We uh, thank Dieter for his time. Yeah, as an intern and as a reporter. See if he had a, if he had cash. What I was going to ask him is, uh, and maybe Chris, you can answer this because you watch a lot of Warriors basketball more than more than, than mo- more than most mm-hmm. people. More than most. Go what ahead. is it about the third quarter? With the Warriors, they've outscored their opponents this season tw- by 27 points per 100 possessions. What is it about the third? Is it just like Steve Kerr is making halftime adjustments? Is it that they figured out what their opponent is doing and how to counteract it? Is it just that they flip a switch in the third quarter and just may coast uh. in the first and second quarter? What is it about the second half of games where the Warriors, it just clicks for them Almost every single time. Uh, the cliche of flipping the switch. Well, that's, that's what I'm asked. Like, what is it? If any team can flip a switch, it's the Warriors. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I don't think it's necessarily anything that happens at halftime specifically. I just think that they are so much better than everyone else in the league that when they kind of float through a first half, then they get to halftime, and then they say, if we really push for the next five to ten minutes – this will be over. And and ESPN.com wrote an entire article about it, the scariest three minutes in basketball, because really that's what happens is that switch gets flipped and it goes from a five-point game to a 15-point game mm-hmm. in, in an instant. Yeah. And it's all because of the movement and the off-ball movement from guys like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and the ability for Draymond Green and, and Kevin Durant to kind of find these guys and always keep it going, because that's the problem is when they hit a run, they get multiple baskets that go in a row, and this is the best team defensively in basketball when they put their effort to it. So, like, if you watch them every single game, it's no surprise that they can just do that in an instant, and all of a sudden they're up by 10 points. Mm -hmm. And now the if you're playing the Warriors, now what do you do to come back at that? You can't. And we'll try. Dieter, you there? Huh? Yeah, sorry, boys. Yeah. The reception at this ATM line is crap. <laughs> I was just Chris was just talking about the third quarter and how the Warriors have outscored their opponents twenty seven points per one hundred possessions. What is it about the third quarter? Is it Steve Kerr's adjustments? Is it they just turn it on in the third quarter, or that they've been able to figure out their opponent by then and then they can just pour it on? It's a little bit of all of those things. Um, the first and the third, obviously, being somewhat key. But this team, you know, with the starting lineup when it's on the court, and particularly now in the playoffs that they're starting Draymond Green at center, or they have over the last couple of games, um, they're getting their best lineup on the court to start the game. But there's kind of a feeling out period, and typically they don't have a lot of energy or excitement to play the game. Uh, they get about two quarters in. They usually hang around with the team, at least in the regular season. And then third quarter, they've kind of figured out what, kind of smoke the other team is going to throw and they they do their thing when you have you know four all-stars and you know, you put Andre Iguodala on the court whenever you want like you're gonna you're gonna get a run or two in a game just 
because of the defensive acumen and because when you're getting you know deflections and steals and block shots and miss shots, you can move in transition. And this team is deadly in transition. They're one of the best transition teams of all time. So um, it's just it's a little bit of everything, but it, it's frankly them just trying. I mean, if they tried like that from and they do sometimes they try from like the opening tip just like they do at the beginning of the third quarter and then they get a 20 point lead and then they take their foot off the accelerator and the other team chips back in and it makes the game a lot more interesting than it needs to be because it was pretty much over in the first five minutes this way they sort of save their energy end it in the third quarter and then they can all sit for the fourth when you look at uh steph curry and the way he's played uh as of late coming back from the injury how close to 100 percent is he yeah, I think his knee is fine. I, I get a little bit of flack on that. Like, Steph isn't going to give us any insight into uh, some pains or anything like that, but they rested him so long. And just some of the details that he's given um, sort of in retrospect about getting through the knee injury and stuff gives me a lot of confidence that the knee is not an issue. Right now the issue is conditioning and the fact that he really he had only played one competitive game in the span of 11 weeks before he came back because he went injury, played a game, injury. And, um, yeah, he, he just looks gassed out there sometimes. And Steve Kerr hasn't been able to get back into his regular rotations. Not that you really would in the playoffs, but Steph Kerr usually, usually plays the entire first quarter. He hasn't done that yet uh, in these playoffs and the games that he's played. So they're expecting, you know, they, they feel like he's kind of made a breakthrough. They're expecting him to be at 100% for this series. But until I see him play a full first quarter, and not really have his hands on his knees all the time, um, it's, it's going to be a conditioning issue. But in terms of his you know, side-to-side movement, which is, would be the main issue with an MCL injury, I haven't seen any issue there. Um, he has the explosiveness on both the defensive and the offensive end. He's also just been working his ass off on the defensive end. And on the offensive end, too, is somewhat of a decoy. And uh, he's yet to kind of break out and have one of those Steph games. And I don't think that that's too far away, given everything that's kind of been building up to this moment. Do the Rockets have enough on de- – they pretty much have enough on offense to keep up, I think, but do they have enough on defense to stop what the Warriors are going to be able to throw at them? Yeah, that's a good question. I do like the Rockets' defense. Uh, if Trevor Ariza is locked in, they, it's a lot better than I think it gets credit for, and I think people are pretty respectful of this defense. P.J. Tucker is a major X factor in this series. Um, he's about six foot five, just like Draymond Green, and he can also play center. They can at least play him as a small ball center. And um, he's so good and so versatile, and he's always just been one of my favorite players. And in, in, in this lineup in Houston, with him as a, you know, is just somewhat of a floor spacer. He can knock down an open three in the corner, and then also being able to defend a little bit in the paint, but just being able to stay with guys inside and outside on high pick and rolls. Um, yeah, I think that I think that the Rockets probably do stand a chance. It's not going to be a joke. It's not going to be a situation where the Warriors will either make or miss, and it, it, really the Rockets' defense has no say in that matter. I think the Rockets will get some stops. The, the bigger issue, I would argue, is the offense for the Rockets, which is we all know they're exceptional, um, but in the playoffs in particular, they've been super slow, and frankly they've been kind of one kind of smoke where it's just high pick and roll, Harden or Paul, they're looking for – penetration or a mismatch that a guy can cook and isolate against and that just doesn't work against the Warriors it will get buckets but it's not a system that you can match the Warriors bucket making abilities with when you have a a Warriors defense that can switch all five positions and will switch all five positions on purpose uh, has a couple of centers who can absolutely defend on the perimeter that they have no problem like Kevon Looney Jordan Bell Draymond Green the Warriors have no problem leaving them isolated against Harden or Paul and 
they'll they'll live with the baskets that they make on mid-range shots and things like that. I, I, I need to see a second kind of offense from this Rockets team. They're just not running in transition like they did in the regular season. They're not running really complex, you know, double high pick stuff or, you know, there's not a lot of off ball movement. It's slow and methodical. And the way you beat the Warriors is by trying to match their dynamic offense and their dynamic defense. I, I see it on the defensive side. I don't see it on the offensive side from the Rockets. Clint Capella has been really good this season for the Rockets. That's an understatement, but he's been so integral on how this team plays offensively and defensively. Uh, do you think the Warriors will go more small against him, or will they pair up a big and actually play some of their bigger players? Yeah, JaVale McGee and Zaza Pachulia should not play in this series for there the Warriors. They, End of story. They have, uh, yeah, they, they have, and we've seen that in the three games these two these two teams played in the regular season. They played they played Looney, they played Draymond at center. They play. I mean, when they played Zaza and they played Javale, those were lost minutes, and it's a big reason why the Rockets won two of the three regular season games. So you really can't take that much from those games because they all had a caveat. Either the Rockets had a guy out, or the Warriors had a couple of guys out. But uh, in terms of the small things. You, you, Steve Kirk doesn't deviate from rotations in the regular season. He's going to give Zaza 10, 15 minutes. He's going to give David West minutes. I'm not sure where David West fits in the rotation. We're going to find out on Monday. But Zaza Pachulia, Javale, they're not going to play. They're going to go small. If Clint Capella wants to post somebody up for the first time all year, he'll have the opportunity, (laughs) but he's not going to do that. Uh, Who's more of a threat when they're on, Kevin Durant or Mohamed Salah? <laughs> Muhammad Salah is always on, baby. Um, yeah, no, Durant has been unguardable uh, in these playoffs, and I'm fascinated to see um, what the Rockets do. They want to switch everything too, and that could be a big problem, particularly when it comes to Chris Paul. Chris Paul's a great on-ball defender, uh, particularly against point guards. But uh, if you get Kevin Durant being guarded by Chris Paul, he's just going to shoot a hundred mid-range jump shots make like 90 of them because he's just going to be shooting over a chair. And um, the Rockets really do have a size disadvantage in that regard. Or Harden. I mean, that's the thing. When when uh, you can get Kevin Durant isolated onto Harden or Paul without much effort, uh, that that's a big, a big issue. And I, the Rockets have done a lot of impressive things. They're going to have to have their most impressive stretch of the season in this series. I know that sounds ridiculous and, you know, like a complete understatement, but like, they need to show me something that they haven't shown me yet because they can get buckets in bunches, and that can win you a game in the playoffs. But schemes and tactics and adjustments win series, and um, the Warriors are so versatile, and that's why they've been on this run. I haven't seen that versatility at all from the Rockets. I've seen less versatility in the playoffs than in the regular season, and uh, that, that's, that's concerning to me as, as somebody who wants to see a great series. Dieter, we appreciate you jumping on for a few minutes. Uh, your phone outside sounds tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Blame the, blame the Marriott in Houston. They didn't want me slandering their rockets, so they've been cutting off my signal. There you go. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Dieter Kurtenbach from the San Jose Mercury News, the Warriors reporter. We come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the games going on today. Uh, Sox and Cubs and also the Cavs and the Celtics. You can catch the Cavs Celtics right here, 2.30 on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. It used to be great when uh, the Chicago Bulls were deep in the playoffs. Um, hopefully that day will come again sometime. Uh, on this day back in 1994, guys, 
Tony Kukoc hit a fadeaway jumper to win Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Semis against the uh, New York Knicks. Yeah, but what was more famous about that game? Or maybe infamous, would we say? Was that Scotty not coming off the bench? Was know, that was the it? same game? Is that not it? Am I just throwing something out? You can always throw out throw that one out because that's that's one of the reasons that I thought less of Scotty as a yeah, player. A than, lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if that's the same game or not. Um, it might be. We probably should know that. Was the Pippen game even against the Knicks? Am I just making this up? I think you're just making stuff up at this right. point. That's Eric's job. Eric's supposed to figure mm. this out for us. Look it up, Eric. Look it up, Eric. Look, Eric. Look, Look it up. Look it up. Look it up, Dan. May 14th, 1999. Disgusted Pippen sits down for yeah. game-winning so play. That's tomorrow. 99? It was 99. I meant to say 94. Oh, it's 94. It's 94. Oh, so we're close. Run it too quick. Tomorrow, I'm yeah. close. All right. Good job. Did, did you guys hear Teddy Atlas last night talking Shut about... Up. Nobody did. You're uh, the only one. Lomachenko. That's, that's and, why I'm actually glad that the NBA is back, because you won't have time to watch boxing. Okay, first and of all... Plus, what, you, called out, you called out one of the top shows on TV right now, earlier this week. What? Young Sheldon. Yeah, what, what, what oh, is, come what, on, what Fred. Nonsense. Young Sheldon is awful. What an idiotic concept that show is. Holy and, cow. And you know what happens? People are watching. Well, yeah, you it's put anything on CBS. People can't get up to change the well, channel. It's getting huge ratings. You know, the Midwest, the, the majority of this country that's just dirt and uh fields dirt and i mean fields. and there was actually it's unbelievable and there was there was there was even actually a uh um what would you call it uh kind of like a uh a tip at the very end of it because um Sheldon currently the guy Jim Parsons yes okay uh-huh. he he you know, talks about the show during the show, talking about his. No, I, I heard the narration, it's like the Wonder I, Years. Yeah, I heard. I heard the, the witty, witty narration going on throughout the the episode. And at the very end yeah. of the episode, uh-huh. he let something drop. Wow. That said uh, about how it was nice to have all the kids together, and it meant so much. Uh, e- and even when he goes, even with my kids. Yep. So now you realize that cliffhanger. That's Adama. right. Cliffhanger. That's right. Young Sheldon has kids. So yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the older Sheldon had kids. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I will say, Fred. I, when I heard him say that, I was like, "That guy has kids on the show." I yeah. didn't know that. He doesn't right. have kids on the show. Okay, so here, here's he has the thing. kids off the show too. Yeah, the NBA has to space out its schedule. Not assuming you would have a boring second round. So we had multiple days. <laughs> With three, no basketball, three of them, right? Three days. Three days. Three tough days. So I'm just scanning the guide, trying to find something to fill my time. And the other night, I come across the show Young Sheldon, and I'm watching the show for probably 15 minutes yeah. before I'm even aware that Young Sheldon is actually not a new character. It's the same character from Big, yes, Bang, the Big Theory, Bang Theory, but he's just younger yeah. with weirdo parents. That's and the entire nice. show, Abdallah, is about his weirdo parents. And little obnoxious Sheldon trying to give his little notes to them about how smart he is. Uh, what a stupid what show! Would you have to, what would, for like any show, what a terrible show, Fred. This is a terrible concept. Like any show on TV, you have to appreciate the little things because his sister has some of the best lines in in the show. I was just baffled at how bizarre and how strange that this is even a show and a concept. And, and you might say, hey, why are you watching a show if you don't like it? Well, sometimes... You nothing, because there was no NBA on for Well, you. Fred, sometimes I watch stuff and I sit through it that I don't like, so then I can talk about it because I want to figure out what the hell is wrong with these people like you watching <laughs> the show. 
Like, what is this? You know, I watched a. Uh, I was going through Netflix trying to find something to watch, much like you, because there was mm-hmm. nothing on, and the Cubs and Sox were in rain delay. And even still, I watched that on mute. It's a heated rivalry yeah. this weekend. So. Uh, is I watched um, Eddie Murphy's Delirious, and wow, does that not hold up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny because I, I, I saw someone else write uh, about that that they said it did. Um, it, uh, I, I would back say like he, you, you got to delete like the first fifteen minutes at this point, right? Like that does not you would not be able to do that now, uh, and probably shouldn't have done it back then. But other than that, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's very funny. It still holds up in that it's still very funny. But because uh, I guess basically all I watch on Netflix now are comedy specials because it's well, all Netflix. Yeah, that's all Netflix is good for. It's so. comedy specials and like have. like other older shows. But they uh, like the Mulaney one is good, and I guess it popped up on my suggested ones. Yeah. is to watch it. Like I've seen this, but I guess I'll watch it again. Yeah, I mean, so you know, I'm sitting through 22 minutes of this young Sheldon show, <laughs> yeah. and he's this little smart blank of a kid right. who, who's so smart, and his parents are. What's the deal with his mom? Well, they're from Texas. And, they're like, Bible belters, yeah. and they're uh, you know religious people, strange and people. She's I mean, religious, and yeah. He's got wait. Yeah, let me. There's like a, a bit of a, of a romance triangle going on in the episode with, uh, with the his, mother yeah. and a with his grand with Sheldon's grandmother. Mima, he calls her. Mima, yeah. yeah. She, she's a bit of a... When, why are we talking about plot lines of young Sheldon? Well, he kept going. The she's Eastern all, Conference you know, Finals start today, people. She's playing the field, Abdallah, and, and this is what I've done with my time over the last week. But, yeah. There are many, right. many, many other... Back. There are many, many other shows. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there were 19 shows that were canceled Thursday and Friday. They canceled 19 different shows. I thought you were going to say 18. there are 19 shows that are spun off of the Big Bang Theory. No. 18, because uh, NBC picked up uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I know. The one show I, I, I can't watch. Um, but that's, you know, you to each He's their own. too busy watching young Sheldon yeah. episodes. <laughs> to each their own. But they canceled Designated Survivor. They canceled uh, The Brave because there's a show called Seal Team, which is a similar show. And they canceled another show I watch. Did they, are all the NCISs still around? Yeah. I think they are. And all the Chicagos are, are here. All the, the Chicagos. And yeah. Yeah. Well, Ma- guys, Chicago let me Mad, tell you Chicago about Fire. Let me tell you about Vasily Lunchenko. He, uh, he, Nobody in 12 cares. career oh, is this fights. the boxing game? Yes. No, 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 no. 12 no, career no, no, fights. No. You would, you know, you guys don't I think understand. even Abdallah would rather talk about young Sheldon than the I mean, boxing. This is my Mulan dipping sauce. And then and you guys are going to talk <laughs> boxing Mulan. with me. Well, I mean, he, here's the thing it's, it was a great fight last night. It was free. You didn't have to do pay per view. He's the pound for pound fighter, best fighter in the world right now, and you According guys are dismissing who? him. According to who? ESPN.com. You got a problem with them, Fred? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they've seen everybody. Yeah. I don't think they've they seen everybody. I don't think they've seen everybody yet. <laughs> I only trust a Ray Flores when it comes to boxing. Ray Call says Ray. he's the best. Call Ray. No, no, no. Real, no, no, let's no, talk no, no, don't really don't. We'll talk basketball. What would you like to do? Basketball like or Cubs or Sox? Because well, it's a big series this weekend on the north side. The Cubs going for the sweep. Do the, do the White Sox win a game today? Do they no. beat uh, Kyle Hendricks? Kyle Does Giolito beat Hendricks? Absolutely not. Well, Hendricks gave up back-to-back homers to start a game, and he did um, basically what... Uh, Shields did yesterday, except he only gave up two runs and not four. And then he went all the way, pitched all the way into the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see if uh, Adam Engel and whoever is hitting second for the White Sox, Yolmer Sanchez, can go deep in the first inning and, uh, you know, see if Hendricks can keep it going. 
It's a big. It's a big game for the. They, it's a big game for them. I'm, I'm seeing if you've got baseball thoughts <laughs> aside from your Bobulachenkos uh, or whatever his name is. What's his name? You, you think about it. They, they, That's all he's got. This is. You don't want to lose a game to the White Sox and then play four against Atlanta because Atlanta. It's true. Atlanta is a team that you're gonna you're gonna be dealing with. They all all season long. I was talking when the season started. I was and remember this when. Um, when the season started, the mm-hmm. Mets pitchers were healthy and they were pitching yeah. well. What's happened since then? They've gotten hurt. They've yeah. gotten traded. Uh, guys go on the DL. Cause I was, I kept, I can't re- tell you how many times I said the Cubs realized when the Mets pitchers are healthy, they're a tough team to beat. Well, you don't have to worry about the Mets anymore. Well, and the Braves Harvey's also not there. Degrom well, is hurt. The the Braves and uh, and Phillies both have the secret sauce of young teams. Yeah, and we've seen in the last few years if you have a young roster of talented guys who come up together, those are the teams that have really moved on in the playoffs and won championships as of late. So, you know, I I get that the the Braves are not supposed to be doing what they're doing right Neither now, like twenty three yeah. fifteen. Right, but the two teams leading that division are both young quote rebuilding teams who have young talent who just got to the majors in the last year and year and a half with the Phillies as well. So. I mean, I I agree, Fred. The upcoming series for the Cubs is big because do you keep it rolling or do you revert back to what happened before you started facing the Marlins and the White Sox? Yeah, that's the question is like, are the Cubs back? You know, like, so because they face the Marlins and they face the White Sox and they're both not very good teams. They're the two of the worst teams. So now when you face the Braves, can you build off this momentum and win a series against the Braves and then. Build off of that and build off of that. Like they, they've won five in a row now, maybe six today. Can you win seven in a row, eight in a row, nine in a row? Can you have productive games where you're scoring 50 runs in a five game series? Can you do that against a good team and not just to beat up on the bad teams? Do you guys understand why baseball players? I mean, I know I can't remember who, who talked about this the other day, but, um, do you remember why ba- uh, realize why baseball players don't really look ahead? They only care about the game that they're playing. Um, someone talked to, talk to John. Oh, Cap said it, I think, the other day. Uh, he talked to John Lester or something like that. Yeah, it's all about routine. Right. Now, you know, it's, it, I, they don't the care way. about who they're pitching. They know what they've got to do. They go to the field and they may not even know who the play, who the team they're, they're facing is. Like, you know, like sure. Lester may not know who his next start is against. Well, actually, it will be against. Well, I mean, think, think about it, guys. It, I know, but maybe he doesn't know. To me, it's a lot like if you work in uh, just an office, right. a regular office. You show up every day. You may not know who specifically your meetings are with, but you know throughout the day you'll have meetings. You'll have sales stuff, right. you, you know, calls you got to make. You're not thinking about it a week in advance, the day before, at home, the night before, before you go to bed. That's what we're you're for. Not, That's where the media is. Right, right. We're here to think about baseball for them because they're just going through the motions right. because they're the ones doing it. Just like we all show up on Monday morning to do our jobs. Now, we may do different things because we work in sports sure. radio, but most people are showing up at an office, sitting in their cubicle. And every day is about the same as the next. So you're not really looking forward to next Tuesday's game or ne- mm-hmm. the next sales meeting because it's just another sales meeting. You know the advantage that people that don't work in sports radio have? When their Saturdays and Sundays roll around, there's nothing they have to watch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, have to, we, have, we can't miss stuff. No, it's true. Uh, or you could just not watch hockey. I mean, that watch works, too. Um, or young Sheldon. You can watch Young Sheldon. Um, I would say no, that I mean, we get true, but... to watch stuff for work. As yeah. You think so? Yeah. We have to watch stuff for work. I but think most yeah. people want to watch stuff. I mean, that's, what, stuff, I t- that's so. what I tell my wife. But it's constant, it's constant research. 
I mean, that's something you guys have in your hip pockets. You're just recently married guys, even you still. Um, you're recently married guys. You'll get to say for the, you know, as long as you stay in this business, it's part of my job. I got to watch this. Game. It is. It absolutely is. The, the reason I have a two TV system in my living room. We have yeah. two TVs in the living room all the time. Yeah. You're we like, why? Like explaining to the cable guy, well, I was like, I need two boxes. Okay, where does this other one go? No, like in the right same, like I, right next to the other one. I need yeah. one in this room and one in this room. Yeah. Oh, you're cool. You got two TVs. That's a nice setup. I mean, you know, we had, we had two TVs. She had a TV and I had a TV and we moved in together. So we have two TVs. Look at you, big time. It probably didn't cost anything for the extra box it, either. It didn't. Well, actually, uh, I don't. an extra box always costs more, for I don't, I don't. Well, usually sometimes have, sometimes if you have two, it doesn't cost. I don't have cable. I, I cut, he's, I, he's one of these millennial I kids the with, a, with the cord cutting. Okay. So, so he's able to he's able to figure out which TV he see, can throw the picture to. See, here's here's the thing, Fred. Okay. Uh, Abdallah is one of these. Uh, can you do that with an ATM or? <laughs> you can't go to two ATMs at once. You need two cards. Okay. He's one of these forward-thinking uh, millennials who cord cuts, but yet spends just as much money with the 17 it's other subscriptions he has that's to not... make up for cord cutting. See, we that's can discuss he, that's, that when we come back. Yeah, that's what he says. I'm saving like 120 bucks a month. Sure we can are. discuss that when we come back because I, I've always thought that was going to be the case. your fire stick. It's your... Black, it's Abdallah, the young guys, and me. I'm the old man, uh, Fred Hubner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. Wrapping things up, Black Abdallah Hubner. Black and Abdallah are ex- thrilled, excited. The NBA is back. And you can catch it right here on ESPN 1000 this afternoon, 2.30, as the uh, Cavs and Celtics go at it. And um, Boston 7-0 at home in the postseason. One of the, some of the guys, one of the guys that wrote in the paper, he said they're 8-0. And I'm going, well, there's no way they're 8-0. They're not. They're 7-0. He was. Uh, he's been to the future. I well, guess he has been in the future. See, Fred, that's why we need editors. Yeah, there's a good. Uh, you know, some White Sox fans they, they get excited because of what what's coming up, not what's going on right now. Uh, they've lost uh, a bunch in a row, the worst team in baseball. I don't know if you saw this, Adam. I know that Chris probably saw this. Um, Friday night, Michael Kopech, three and a third, five hits, eight runs, four walks. A Dylan Cease, who uh, they got from the Cubs. Uh, eight runs, seven earned in two innings. Yes. Ian Clarkin, who they got from the Yankees, six runs, four earned, six innings, five hits, two homers, and uh, four walks. So, uh, yeah, pitchers can have a bad day, but uh, I guess they all must have watched the White Sox get blown out 11 to 2, and then they went out and did similar things. They not, gave a gr- up eight, not a great weekend for 16. the Sox. Great, they, gave up six, they gave up 22 runs amongst the three of them. Wow. Not good. And the White Sox starting staff gave up a bunch more, too. So, uh, you know, good days are ahead. That's what they keep telling us. Yeah, yeah. certainly. I mean, and, but you have to know, like, that's why you go through this is then so hopefully next season you have a competitive team and the year after you're competing for right. for the playoffs or the World Series. Sure. That's what the hope is. It, now, it, if you don't get that next year and the year after that, then you are okay to be upset and angry at the way this has gone. Well, it's a, and it's a lot different for baseball than it is for basketball because sure. you don't need nearly as many guys. No. Yeah. I mean, here you need two, three pitchers. You need three, four out, you know, two, three outfielders. You need a couple infielders. A guy that can catch the ball, uh, even if he is behind the plate. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different things and, uh, it, it's, it worked, it's worked out for the Cubs. And I keep, the more I look into the Cubs thing and I, I, I didn't write the plan or the plan to even, you can uh, write the uh, White Sox version though. I could actually. Um, it was, even though they tanked it, 
their draft picks isn't what got them the victories. It was their trades and their free agent signings, more so than, more so in my opinion, more so than Bryant, Almora, uh, Schwarber, and uh, Hap. Well, yeah, Hap it, it all has to work together, yeah. though. Because if Bryant was a bust, if Schwarber bust, if these guys didn't pan out the way they have, you wouldn't have gotten the championship either. So you need all of it to come together all at once. I know it was important for Schwarber in the World Series. I'm not yeah. saying it wasn't, but he only played two games that year. For sure. The entire year he played two games. Yeah. But, but so I they think... didn't win the World Series. They didn't necessarily win the World Series because of Kyle Schwarber. Sure. No, I... I... Get that, and yeah. now he is playing much better than he did he last year. I like so, the way he's playing a lot. So this is what you have going yeah. forward. I think that that's a pick that worked out. He's Chris still trying Bryant, to prove himself. Superstar from the start. Stunned. If he wasn't, yep. then maybe this wouldn't have worked out the same way. So that's why the White Sox need both. They need the young guys to come up and be great, and they need to make some moves. International the young guys... signings, trades, yeah. all that stuff. But you also have to have your main guys work, like Brian and Schwarber. You need to have those guys work out and yeah. those guys be productive because then – the the depth that you have in your system to back those guys up, you can trade for assets. And they so did you have, move some of it, yeah. Yeah, so you have to have assets that you can trade, and you, but you have to not use those in the field because your other guys, the main guys that you drafted high, worked out for you. Sox, Cubs today, Cavs, and Celtics catch that at 2.30 right here on ESPN 1000. Black, Abdallah Hubner, Eric Ostrowski, thanks to Adam Amin, thanks to Dieter Kernbach and Jesse, as always, here on ESPN 1000. Whoa.